Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, another night of NBA playoffs, and how about that? Were you entertained by that? Because I really wasn't. I thought those were two blowouts. Milwaukee handled Miami pretty easily. They're up 2-0 now. First game went overtime, but second game, man, the Bucks got after the Heat in that game. And the Denver Nuggets, even their series with Portland at a game apiece, despite the fact that Damian Lillard went absolutely berserk in the first half. He had 32 points. He had 8 of 11 from 3. But he cooled off in the second half, and the Nuggets basically led by 10 to 20 points the whole half. There'd be a little run from Portland. you think, this might get interesting. No, it really isn't. 10-point lead get pushed back up to 20. It just didn't, didn't have it. Denver was in charge. They even the series up at 1-1, so... If you think that's a six or game, seven game series, you look pretty smart after the after they split the first two games right there. Jokic had it going too, so he kind of offset Lillard. And Denver's supporting cast was better than Portland's. Portland kind of struggled. McCollum McCollum made some shots, but uh, Denver in charge. And it's hard to go on the road and go up 2-0. Doesn't happen very often. I don't think the Grizzlies are going to be able to do it. Honestly, I thought Denver's response was really good. You know, was it great? Was it perfect? I mean, we can argue and we can nitpick, but I think it was really good. They had a lead, a commanding lead. It wasn't flukish. They weren't really under pressure. Now, if you're playing Lillard and the lead gets down to 12, you got to be a little worried. You know, so it's not like it was a done deal and they dominated and they, they embarrassed and humiliated the Blazers, but they were in control. And they pushed the 12-point lead back to 18 before Lillard would make a shot or two, whatever. And that Aaron Gordon on Lillard in the second half, that, that made a difference. Bigger, taller, longer guy, it made a difference. So we'll see what happens in game three and how the Blazers try to adjust to that. Can the Jazz respond tomorrow night the way the Nuggets responded Monday? I think that's an interesting question. I think the answer to it is yes. Of course, I thought the Jazz were going to win game one without Donovan Mitchell. And that brings us to the main portion of this morning's shows. <gasps> Basketball without Donovan Mitchell. What happened? So, uh, credit the Jazz. It is easy to hide from the media these days. Many people do it. At times, possibly the Jazz do it. But the fans really want to know what the heck happened. And so, they made Quinn Snyder and Donovan Mitchell available after practice. Answered a lot of questions. Local and national media on the calls. You're going to hear from Donovan later this hour. We're going to hear from Quinn right now. And there's stuff they don't want to go into. There's stuff that went down. And there's... A lot of stuff flying around, and I don't feel like I've sorted all the way through it. Uh, I feel like some of the people who are talking to me don't know everything that happened. Um, But it's clear it doesn't reflect well on somebody, which is why nobody wants to talk about it. And you're going to hear both Quinn and Donovan say, it's our job to look forward. Now, you can't really argue with that because they need to win game two. Winning game one was not good, or losing game one was not good. They needed to win that game, and they didn't. Um, But losing game one isn't that big a deal. Losing game two would be that big a deal. It would be horrible. Uh, it still wouldn't be over, but you'd have to win four out of five, and three out of five would be in Memphis. So they need to win this game. There's got to be a big-time sense of urgency. And they've got a chance to take control of this series. One game's not the end of the world, but they'd better go win game two. So there's truth to what they say. At the same time, nobody really wants to explain what went down. And it seems like there's two things that well, there's three things that could have happened, and Donovan says one of them did not happen. He says he didn't have a setback. You know, if you get new information from Donovan, I've had a setback. It hurts. I was doing this, and it, you know, it landed, and it felt funny, or I tweaked it, or I rolled it, whatever, right? Donovan gives you new information. You have a new output. 
and, and the output is he's not playing, right? He wasn't on the injury report. He said he was going to go. He says there's no new information. Okay, so what does that leave? Either somebody changed their mind or somebody new got in the process. What else is there? Somebody changed their mind on the available information because Donovan says he didn't give him any new info. Or somebody got involved who hadn't been involved. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because when you don't put a guy on the injury report who's been on the injury report, you're open, and then you, and then you turn around and you do put him on the injury report. If nothing happened, you're opening yourself up to a fine. And what employee wants to do that? Now, the truth of the matter is they find these NBA teams $25,000. I was just reading a story that NBA games now, depending on the market you're in, are worth two and a half to $4 million. What is a $25,000 fine? It's a nuisance. Now, you don't want the league, you don't want to make the league mad at your boss, all right? So I still think people take it seriously, but a twenty-five dollars or $50,000 fine just isn't that big a deal. It's not good, but it's also not that big a deal. So who got involved? Who changed their mind? Who got involved? Who wasn't involved? What? They, they do not want to go into it. They're looking ahead, not back. I understand you have questions to ask, but we ain't answering them. So there's still a little bit of mystery out there. And if you don't believe me, listen to Quinn Snyder. Here he is with the media. Hey, Coach. Um, what went into um, what went into the decision to uh, make Donovan available for, for game two on Wednesday? And, and how do you guys expect it to affect, affect you guys on the floor? Well, you know, I, I think I addressed the process yesterday, but you know, Donovan always wants to, to be on the floor. He's competitive and that's something that, you know, he, he's looking forward to, um, to the extent, you know, the process of, you know, assessing and ascertaining that, uh, ultimate result, you know, is, is again, ongoing. And, um, as you know, um, and I think everybody's excited, um, that Donovan will be back. Uh, next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. And just with the various reports about, you know, Donovan being upset about, you know, being held out of game one, which, you know, you kind of alluded to with him being as competitive as he is. Did that require any kind of, you know, meeting today, any kind of getting together between Donovan and you and the training staff and or, or management or anything like that? Or, or was it just he was available for practice and deemed ready to go and everything's kind of settled? Well, I think after the way we played last night, um, you know, we, we always meet, um, watch film. Guys are in the gym. You know, we're moving forward to, you know, what we have to do. And, you know, the, it, it's something that, that's whatever adversity a team goes through. Um, in, in this case, you know, if you want to characterize it as that, um, I think one of the things our players, Donovan especially, has been able to do throughout the course of the year um, is to use that to kind of um, further galvanize and further focus. And that's where our focus is. Ben Anderson, KSLsports.com. Quinn, I know sometimes you don't like to talk about the games until you get a chance to go back and look at it. W- what did you see uh, on your second viewing and, and what was different? Well, I think some of the things that I've mentioned, even you know, going into the series is being important for us. You know, we didn't execute um, on the level that we need to. Uh, I think on the offensive end, we got we got stagnant. Um, you know, when the ball stops moving, you know, they become an even better defensive team because of their length. You know, you saw some of the plays that Kyle Anderson made. Um, you know, really all their guys, um, their physicality and 
um, that that impacted us in our ability to, to take care of the ball. So again, I, I think those, especially the live ball turnovers, and we had some some plays, some uh, possessions where you know we didn't turn it over, um, but we weren't able to get good shots. You know, I think Mike had to take a really couple really tough shots at the end of the clock, and all, although those aren't turnovers. Um, they give, you know, your opponent um, a, a chance to run and put pressure on us in transition. So um, the defensive end, again, one of the keys for us has been all year and it continues to be. And it's something that, that we really have to focus on is to defensive rebound. And particularly when Rudy's, you know, tied up with Valanciunas um, in that matchup, you know, we've got to have other guys that are even more determined on the boards. And I, I thought that's an area we can do better. And then, you know, j- just general things, whether it's, you know, defending John pick and roll, which I mentioned is, you know, is not not easy. Um, but there's a lot of things that, that we need to do a better job of some some small breakdowns where we go under when we want to go over on a screen. Um, we're not shifted enough on the weak side and there's too much room in the paint. So a lot of little things that, that I think are execution oriented. Um, and then then some other things that, you know, are broader reaching where you don't point. Um, to one possession where it's more of a general thing that I think our whole team has to focus on. So we, we can't have breakdowns. If, you know, you know, five guys each have one breakdown, that's five breakdowns. And that really starts to, to impact the game negatively, particularly in a playoff game. Um, I, I think Memphis too, that they came out uh, really focused. I think the games that they had played and the competitiveness of you know, those two previous games was something that was fresh on their minds. Um, you know, I think we have to raise our level in that sense. Drew Hill, the Daily Memphian. Quinn, Memphis, as mentioned, uh, they kind of like to muck things up, I guess, uh, in terms of, you know, the talk and the physicality of the game. Um, how do you guys sort of stay out of those situations um, when playing against them so you don't give them any fuel? Well, I think, you know, you need to use that. Um, and to the extent that those plays create distractions, um, you know, whether it's a technical foul, you know, there was one quarter at the end of the quarter where we weren't sharp and it cost us, you know, a three-point play and, and, and then it's he. So th- those types of momentum plays, I think there's a fine line, um, you know, between being emotional um, locked in, um, you know, just being gritty um, and then not being focused. And so in those situations, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever the play may be, um, I think you have to have more mental focus and put your energy where it can matter. Um, and then more determination dur- during those situations as well. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. At this point, who's overseeing Donovan's recovery? Is it the team staff? Is it Donovan's staff? And and has that changed over the last month? Well, you know, I think there's a collaboration in that regard. And, you know, to the extent, Andy, that, you know, I've continued to maintain, you know, as far as the details of all those things go, I'm not, um, I'm thinking about coaching the team. And, you know, those things are happening throughout the organization. And again, with, you know, the overarching philosophy that, you know, we want to do the best thing for the player. And, you know, however those those things come to, um, the results come to pass, you know, those are details, I think, that um, are not things that I'm involved or pri- privy to in many instances. So um, my focus is, is the team 
And to the degree, there are certain things that, you know, you just, you move forward. And and that's, I I think where we are right now. It's, you know, if you watch Ted Lasso, Andy, but sometimes, you know, your favorite, what your favorite animal is a goldfish because it has a memory of 10 seconds. And that's where we need to be. We need to be moving forward and thinking about game two. All right. You watch Ted Lasso, Andy? Of course I have. You know me. (laughs) Should be required watching for coaches. <laughs> All right, we have one last question from Thurl Bailey, Jazz TV. Hey, coach. Hey, obviously, um, you know, it, you guys aren't as great defensively when Rudy's not in the game and he got in foul trouble last night. I thought Derek Favors came in and did a, did a stellar job, but how do you address the, the mid range game of teams who aren't necessarily great three point teams, but even throughout the course of the regular season, you guys maybe struggled a little bit with teams who are very good at that mid-range, making either Rudy or whoever was on the ball, uh, guarding the ball initially. How do you address that as you go through the series in the mid-range? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, Thurl. You know, I think that there's some, you know, just like if, you know, when we, when we, I don't know what we went last night, you know, we shot, we didn't make our threes, right? So um, some of it's a make or miss situation. Um, we had, you know, the top defense in the league um, by cleaning the glass. We had the second or third best defense in the league by NBA.com. So the, the, we, we did some things right as far as impacting shot distribution. Um, I think the thing that's important about the mid-range is, you know, we call them warm-up shots. You know, if you're giving up warm-up shots, you know, the percentages on those shots um, go way up. Um, if they're contested um, and they're impacted uh, and they're not as deep, for example, Morant got, you know, he got wh- whether it was – there's a fine line between, you know, long twos, you know, and being at the rim, particularly a team that, um, that is so good at shooting, you know, floaters. Um, so th- there's things tactically that, you know, we, we need to do and, and we've, you know, we've gone through that before, but there, there's most of the games we've had. Um, I choose to, to not say we're giving up mid-range shots is, you know, we're forcing certain shots um, that, that we're, we're better at guarding those shots um, than we are, you know, other shots. We're, the, the, so again, they're not things you necessarily want to give up, but to your point, you know, it, some of it's like we're not going to stop shooting threes because we miss threes. Um, we're not going to stop. You know, I'd rather have a mid-range shot than Valanciunas dunking the ball. And right. But the aftermath of those, I, I think giving up, you know, offensive rebounds in those situations because we're not, you know, quite as alert. So I would say that there are some subtle adjustments that we need to make. Um, I don't need to get into the details of that right now, obviously, um, but it's not something you're unaware of. But I, I think what you need to do is impact, um, impact those shots so they're not warm up shots. Um, and then if you know, hopefully they don't don't make as many of them. Um, you know that that that's what impacts the game. So you don't want to necessarily give anything up. Um, you want to make everything hard. Um, and then when those shots are created, we want to do a better job of contesting them making them difficult, making them, you know, take them a little further out um, and not allow them as much freedom of movement 
um, you know, in that area on the court. But you know, part of it, Morant, you know, he can get a lot of places on the floor. And that's five guys, you know, and we, we can't, you know, guard him um, with one guy. He, he's too quick. And in Brooks's case, that's that's his game. You know, he can get to that spot and, and that's the shot he wants. And he's making that shot. So um, we don't want to give him that shot. So some of it depends on, on personnel. And, you know, we don't want to give up Bain's threes. You know, if Bain's shooting a mid-range shot, you know, I think we can look at all the numbers and say that's, um, that's a preferred shot for us, even if he does make it. So all that stuff, I think, gets um, more into personnel and understanding what certain players on the floor want to do and are really good at doing. So every game's uh, a little bit different, you know, every opponent, I should say. And, you know, we're aware um, of how important that shot is for us to defend and contest. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, we don't want Rudy guarding, you know, Morant out on the top of the key, you know? So um, there's a give and take there and we just need to do a better job. I think defensively in a lot of areas and that help hopefully will impact that. If we go, you know, over on a screen when we should go under, we go under on a screen, we should go over, you know, that's when you end up with those shots being, you know, too easy and warm up shots. And there's a comfort, there's a, a comfort level in taking those shots. Thanks, Coach. All right, there is Quinn Snyder with the media. We are going to hear from Donovan Mitchell with the media later in this hour. But coming up next, Sixth Man of the Year, Jordan Clarkson. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Well, Jordan Clarkson or Joe Ingles, who's going to be the sixth man of the year? Jordan Clarkson. And Jordan Clarkson meets with the media to talk about that right now. Well, thank you very much. And good evening, everyone. I'm Greg Silvestri. Uh, I'm the Vice President of Service Operations at Kia America. And um, this is a really exciting day. You know, at Kia, we are true fans of the game of basketball and the NBA, having proudly served as the league's official automotive partner for the past 14 years. And during that time, both the league and the Kia brand have grown tremendously. Kia is on the move right now, and we're investing $25 billion to deliver 11 electric vehicles across the world over the next five years. And just as Kia is recognized for world-class performance and excellence in design, the Kia Performance Awards celebrate the NBA's top performers on the court. So today, um, I, although I wish I was doing this in person and live, today it's my distinct honor to present Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz with the 2020 and 2021 Kia NBA Sixth Man of the Year Award. Congratulations, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a journey. Uh, you know, it's just part of the NBA career. I'm happy, uh, really excited. Uh, came as a surprise to me. Um, but, you know, it's a pay for it to, you know, all the guys that, you know, really won this war before me. 
uh, happened to be one of my teammates, um, you know, Lou Williams. He was one of my teammates uh, as a Los Angeles Laker. Um, you know, really talked to me a lot uh, while I was there as a young kid uh, going through that transition of uh, moving to the bench and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, Jamal Crawford, all those guys that that done it before me, J.R. Smith, um, you know, all those guys, two of them were my teammates. So um, learning from them and, and uh, going through that process of, uh, you know, really accepting this role, um, you know, put me in this place today. So I really want to thank them um, on, on behalf of, you know, myself, my family and everything. Um, and, and, and the Utah Jazz organization uh, letting me be myself, um, really accepted me. Uh, coach put me in positions to, you know, be great as well as my teammates. So this is awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jordan. I'll turn it over to Madeline now for a question and answer session. All right. Uh, so if anyone has a question, please go ahead and raise your hand and we'll go ahead and get started. Looks like the first question we have is from Tony Jones, The Athletic. Tony? Uh, hey, Jordan, congratulations. Um, I appreciate it, T. Um, you, know, you know, this has been such a, a breakout season for you. What's been the 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 favorite part if you have like a favorite part of the season for you what's been the favorite part of the season for you and how has it affected you you know on and off the court um winning uh you know, this is my first time really being on a a winning team and having a you know piece of it um and having a role in it um you know, we went to the I went to the finals with, you know, Braun and, and that Cleveland team. Um, but I was still young, you know, working, uh, trying to get to this point to, you know, where um, I really understand the game and, you know, stuff like that. I still have a lot of room to grow. But, um, you know, the biggest thing for me is it's just been winning. Um, and this this team is just amazing uh, how we bond together. I know it sounds kind of cliche that we always, you know, talk about it and kind of put it out there. Um, but, you know, having the, the teammates, um, coach and staff, I, I feel like you don't really get this uh, this opportunity to have uh, once or twice uh, ever. I think I've had it, um, you know, a little in Cleveland uh, where we were kind of, you know, a family and we kind of done a lot of stuff together, but uh, here in, Utah with this organization, this team, uh, it's definitely a different feel. You know, I, I know that, you know, next man got my back. Um, and I think I've said it, uh, but these guys, I've been so open with them and transparent. Um, you know, they almost feel like family. So the winning and, you know, building this relationship with my teammates and, and everybody here with this organization, um, it's been, those, those are the biggest highlights for me. Uh, throughout this season and you know hopefully we come to uh you know what we want to get done uh, in this playoffs and that's win a championship um and compete for a championship um you know that that would be a the biggest highlight of you know my year and especially after a tough year um you know last year so um you know this is amazing all right next up Ben Anderson KSL sports.com Jordan, I know you kind of try and take it one day at a time and you've talked about that, but you've also talked about 
how important Manu Ginobili is and JR and Lou and Jamal Crawford, these guys, what's it mean to you now that you are a part of that legacy and your name belongs with those guys? Um, it means a lot, you know, growing up watching Manu said it before, you know, he's one guy that I really, you know, watched growing up and, you know, he really made this role, uh, really cool to me. Um, you know, wanting to be like Manu taking moves and stuff like that. I feel like, uh, that was a big part. And then, you know, having a teammate like Jr., uh, Lou Will, um, and then even just having conversations with Jamal, um, you know, it was just kind of something they all kind of passed down to me. I remember uh, Lou, was, Lou was big on me um, in L.A. is slowing down and, you know, with life and everything, just, uh, just giving me, like, so much knowledge that I didn't really – uh, wasn't able to accept when I was a, uh, a you know, a young player in the NBA. And, you know, I kind of would just be like, yeah, yeah, you're just talking <laughs> old here. But, you know, it, all, all the stuff he um, he told me, um, you know, really, uh, I really took it into account as I got older and really kind of flashed back and, you know, remember a lot with it, what he's told me. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's definitely – uh, an amazing achievement um, and something that I'm going to embrace today. Like you said, I'm going to live in the moment, but I know uh, we got we got bigger things ahead. And, um, you know, I want to get something else done and, and bring a, a gold ball home for sure. Next up, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Jordan, how, how meaningful was it that Joe is the one that presented you the award. And I mean, he was so happy for you to win it, despite also being in the running for the same award. Right. Um, I mean, that's amazing. You know, him being probably my, I would say he's, he's up there being one of my closest teammates. You know, we, we've sat in locker rooms where it's just been me and him. And, you know, I've had conversations with, you know, my personal life and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he sits across from me on the plane and uh, we hang out, we we drink beers together. We should come out with a beer company soon. <laughs> How many beers we drink on our off days. But, um, you know, it's just an amazing uh, thing for him because he's actually uh, later in his career accepted the role of coming off the bench um, and doing that, knowing that he's a starter and, a uh, big time player in this league and, you know, affects the games in so many ways. And, um, you know, him making that sacrifice late in his career coming off the bench, you know, it's helped me a lot, um, you know, going out there not having to fight all the pressures and, um, you know, everything by myself. So uh, him presenting me that award was amazing. Like I said, he's probably one of my closest teammates, uh, a guy that I, I'll never lose contact with. Um, I might buy one of his houses on uh in Australia or something, so I could just post up on a beach with him uh, after drink a few brews. <laughs> All right, next we have Thurl Bailey, Jazz TV. JC, congratulations, man! And uh, let me say how ecstatic I am to see that you won this award. It may have been a surprise to you, but in in my mind, no nobody else's names maybe other than Joe in the conversation. My, my question to you is, uh, from the perspective of someone who played that role himself, is uh, you talk about old heads. Back in my day, 
uh, <laughs> when you were when you were asked to play that role, there was a there was a perception that it was a downgrade, right? Because you know you made a name for yourself in this league, um, and there may be other guys who were asked to do it and decided they weren't going to do it because a starter maybe gets more accolades, maybe is seen more, you know, talk about all-star game. So you talked about embracing the role. Can you give us kind of your perspective as to what your process was? You said you talked to all these guys who won the award. What was your, your thought process in embracing um, this role? Because in my eyes, on other teams, you could be a starter. And so, and, and also what kind of advantage does it give you? Um, I'll start with the advantage point. Um, you know, being able to sit there and watch the game, uh, you know, seeing, um, you know, what teams do to like, uh, what their coverages are on, on like Donovan and, um, you know, guys that Mike, uh, all the guys that are out there seeing what the team does, um, in those minutes, I really can get a feel for the game while I'm sitting down watching. I'm able to observe, you know, the first, well, like seven, eight minutes of the, of the game. And uh, it makes the game a lot easier when you're coming off the bench and to be able to make an impact uh, immediately for me, you know, on the sidelines, I'm, I'm staying warm. I'm doing something else uh, just so I could pick up the, um, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so it's no drop when I come in the game and that's some scoring, defending or anything. Um, so it gives me that time to, uh, you know, sit down and kind of process the game during that that moment. Um, and I would say the process of, of me kind of accepting that role, uh, you know, it was hard. You know, definitely. Uh, I think I was maybe 23, 22, maybe 23 um, when I think Luke Walton got the job and he told me that, uh, you know, I was going to come off the bench. Um, and yeah. You know, I kind of took it like, man, like he don't think that I'm good enough. Uh, so he's going to play me off the bench. And I got to prove him wrong. Like, I got to get back in the starting lineup and everything. But, you know, like like you said, talking to those guys and uh, talking to my teammates. And they just kind of like, you know, I was kind of hard-headed and like, man, yeah, whatever. I'm not listening to you at first. It was a, definitely a process. Um, and you know what? I just said – no, this is this is who I'm going to be. I'm just going to come in here. I'm going to impact the game with the minutes that's given to me. Uh, I'm going to play my role and, you know, I'm going to do it well. And, um, you know, I got to learn how to. And then it was a process when I got traded to Cleveland. I needed to learn how to really impact the game in terms of numbers wise, the shots I'm taking, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and it was a, you know, that was a, uh, like a wake-up call as well because I didn't play well in the finals uh, with Braun during that whole playoff series. I I was kind of, you know, out of there uh, mentally. But then I sat down again and, you know, scraped it and went to the drawing board and said, this is how, how we're going to do it. And, um, you know, I just want to thank all my coaches that helped me out. Uh, Steve Frankowski, uh, T. Lou was, was big in that, Larry Drew, uh, Drew Hanlon, uh, you know, Chris Johnson this summer. Um, and then a big thing, you know, when I got here, coach, uh, Quinn, uh, sitting me down and, uh, really showing me that, uh, you know, shots I was taking and, you know, what he expected from me and, uh, what he saw in me and, 
you know, expected out of me. So I just took it. And like you said, it's all been a process, but I really accepted it. Okay. We have Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune next. Hey, Jordan. First off, congratulations on the award. Um, can you kind of take us through the, uh, the TV show tonight? Cause obviously it came, you know, Joe was in on the surprise, but, but you were clearly <laughs> not. Can you kind of take us through like what you thought you were doing there? What, what you thought the point of being on the show was going to be, and then kind of your reaction in that moment, you know, when, when Joe points at you and hands you the trophy. Uh, first we was, they told me earlier when we was at practice that me and Joe were kind of doing a thing. Cause you know, it's me and him, uh, you know, being finalists for the sixth man of the year. Uh, we're going to go on TNT tonight and talk about it. Uh, us being teammates and how that dynamic works and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, uh, Trey kind of set it up, uh, cause he said he was going to do this kind of earlier. Um, so he's kind of been, uh, brewing this a little bit. Um, and then I came and, uh, came here and, you know, I was really speechless. I don't really do well with surprises and stuff like that. Uh, you know, my, my family came, uh, my dad, uh, my mom, my stepmom, uh, my daughter and my girlfriend, my, my homeboys, uh, my, my little brother, man. And it was just like, it was, uh, like, like I said, it, it's just speechless for me just to have this surprise and, um, you know, I'm very thankful for everybody around me and I'm uh, really just going to enjoy this moment. Uh, Niall Campbell, UtahJazz.com. Well, first, congratulations, Six. The nickname really works. <laughs> <Thank you>. um, <laughs> but just going back with your family being here, I mean, you, your entire family's here. The cheering section was going crazy for you last night. Uh, how does it feel to be able to celebrate this achievement and milestone with them in person? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's dope. It's uh, definitely amazing. Um, you know, they've been with me through this whole process. Uh, you know, as a family, uh, we stuck together, stayed strong. You know, they've been through every moment, uh, really, of, you know, my life, my ups and downs. Um, you know, me being sad, going through, you know, a lot of stuff mentally. Uh, you know, they've just always been there to, you know, support me, have my back. Uh, for them to even, you know, be at the games, watching, supporting, um, seeing how far, you know, I've came as a man and uh, as a player, as a as a human. It's just it's just a great, uh, great feeling. And, you know, I'm going to continue to try to represent and, and do great things. <laughs> All right. We have one more question. This is from Simone Sandry at La Gazeta de la Sport. Yes. Um, in, in your career, did your mental approach change? When, when you started compared to when you were coming off the bench? And, and also, is there more pressure coming off the bench and obviously being asked to be instant offense? Um, I mean, it, the approach had changed. Uh, you know, being a starter, knowing that you're going to get, you know, a bunch of minutes and opportunities to kind of, you know, do what you want. But I feel like I've kind of always been the same player, uh, taking my shots, uh, being aggressive, uh, you know, make plays. Um, you know, that's kind of always been my MO and uh, something that I still do. So um, in terms of that, I don't feel like I really changed much. Um, but I know, um, you know, still growing in some areas, but I know when, you know, what I got to do when I step on the floor and how to impact the game. Um, 
but yeah, I don't, I don't feel like not much had changed uh, in terms of mentality of how I play. Um, it's always been aggressive and, uh, you know, trying to make plays and, you know, try to score the ball. There's Jordan Clarkson, the sixth man of the year. Now, I realize there's like 50 different organizations or 100 different organizations that are going to give out sixth man of the year. But Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year. So that feels good, but I don't think that's his focus right now. He went 0 for 8 from the three-point line in the playoff opener. My guess is Jordan Clarkson is getting so locked in on having a better game, too, because nobody wants to shoot the ball like that. And he did. That's the way game one went. There's nothing to do about it, but there's something to do about game two. I suspect that is the deal now going forward. And going forward for us, the deal is Donovan Mitchell. He met with the media. What happened? How is he feeling? Could it possibly happen again in game two? We'll get to that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Donovan Mitchell meeting with the media after practice. What the heck happened on Sunday? Who changed their mind? How did that all go down? Donovan, a little surprised to find out that ESPN's reporting his training staff, his personal training staff, different than the team training staff, which, as he points out, isn't totally unusual. But was that part of the deal? Are they not on the same page? What's going on? Here's Donovan Mitchell with the media. I mean, obviously, it's no secret uh, what happened. Um, I think, you know, for me, my team, you know, I was definitely uh, frustrated and upset. Uh, that I wasn't able to play. Um, I'm a competitor. I felt I was ready to go. I felt ready to go. And um, fortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, that was not um, how it happened. You know, I, I was ready to go uh, when I spoke to you guys about 24 hours ago. Um, and they came to a decision that that's what it was. But the biggest thing for us is moving forward. Like, we lost game one, and we got to handle. You know, excuse my language, but we got to handle going forward. Um, so I understand it's your job as media and you'll ask me questions. Uh, but I wanted it to be known that we're moving forward as a group, as a unit, because we got stuff to handle and as a group and team and go out there and work on, um, our game plan and and stuff like that. So, um, that's how I want to start off. All right. Thanks. We'll go ahead and start then with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Like you said, Donovan, it's our job. So I've got to ask what changed or were you told what the reason was between when you talked to us and when you were late scratch yesterday afternoon? Um, honestly, um, I was ready to go and, and they stat didn't feel like I was ready. Um, that's, that's it. Um, to be honest with you, um, wasn't really more to it. Wasn't a setback or anything. Um, I was ready to go and compete and get out there and fortunately, like I said, that wasn't the case. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, was that a conversation that they had with you? Were they kind of, you know, asking about your status? Or did they just make that decision themselves and then, you know, tell you how they, you know, what decision they'd come to? Can, kind of how did that play out ahead of the game? Um, at the end of the game, even before the game. Um, yeah, so no, that I, was, I was told that that was the case. We, we, you know, we sat down and, you know, not always going to agree 
Um, but that's what that was told. And so they stuck with it. Ben Anderson, KSLsports.com. Donovan, can I ask you, like, is it testing? Are they asking you to run around and jump and they decided it didn't look good or, or what happened? There was a bunch of different things. Um, nothing that looked alarming. Um, I will say that, you know, I'm not dragging my right foot along. <laughs> um, but no, it was just a bunch of different things that, you know, they didn't feel I was ready uh, to go. And that's what it was. And, you know, we'll go out there and I'm clear for game two and we're looking to move on from it and go from there. Um, ready, ready to go out there and compete for, for game two. Tim McMahon, ESPN.com. Donovan, clearly you're, you're frustrated as a competitor who wasn't able to play. Were you frustrated with the process that led to the decision, with the, the communication? Uh, how much did that factor into you being upset? Um, no, I, the biggest thing for me was I just felt, um, you know, that my, I felt like, you know, the biggest thing was that, you know, I felt like I should – I should have played. That's what, I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like that's, that was, it's no secret. We all know that. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, the experts said no, you know, and I feel like we can, like I said, we can disagree on those things, but, you know, that was the frustration, you know, it was, it was, it was unfair to, you know, my team, I was like, man, I feel like I let them down in the sense, you know, when you're not there for me to playoff game, um, that probably hurts me more than anything else. Um, it eats me. I barely slept because you think about that stuff. Um, so that was really for me where it ate me, uh, where, where it hurt. Were you shocked? I mean, it didn't appear there was any indication this was a possibility until. I mean, if you want to use that word, sure. I, I didn't expect it. But like I said, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm not the expert. And if they felt I wasn't ready, then that was the decision that was made. And it happened. But we can harp on what happened. And when I say we, I mean the team, we can harp on what happened or we can move forward because we have, like I said, we have stuff to handle and agenda to get to um, as far as hopefully going out there and winning the championship. So I spoke to my guys. We all spoke. We're, we're good. We're past it. And that's it. Thanks. Right. Uh, next up, Sam Farnsworth, KSL TV. Yeah, Donovan, uh, you talked about moving forward and, uh, you know, you got, got plenty to handle as you approach game two. What was the overall energy and feeling like at practice today coming off of uh, last night's performance? Um, definitely can't overreact. Um, I think you understand that it's a series, you know, they played well, you know, they came out aggressive. Dylan Brooks played well, John Morant finished down the stretch. They have, like I said, like I said before, um, they won eight out of 10 to end the season. Then they won the last two, something like that. And they've just, they found what they do well. So for us, we did a lot of things, not so great, you know, so you combine that and, you know, there's things we can look at and make adjustments. And that's the best part about the playoffs is, you know, we can make adjustments and go from there. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't make shots either, which hurt. But, you know, we we have, we see things that we can definitely fix and, and adjust to and, and and go from there. But you got to give them credit. They played well and they, they, they competed, you know, for the full 48 minutes. Dana Green, ABC4. Do you think they brought a level of physicality that maybe you guys didn't expect? I mean, they're obviously a physical team, but uh, they really brought it to you last night. No, for sure. I think they definitely were physical in a bunch of things, trying to blow up actions, um, trying to deny stuff. And when it, when we turned the ball over seven, 17 times, 16 times, he playing into that, you know, and I think that's, uh, you know, kind of, they feed off of that. They feed off that energy. And then, you know, it's kind of like a, um, you know, there's AU teams. Like I got play basketball in New York City. Like there's AU teams like that that press you the whole game and are physical and just want to get create turnovers. And they're that way in a sense. And hats off to them for being 
energetic and continuously going out there on every possession. But, you know, for us, we got to stay sharp mentally, um, you know, and stuff, nothing we haven't seen before. We just got to go out there and execute. I don't think we did that to our best of our capabilities last night. Andy Larson, Sully Tribune. Donovan, the ESPN report said that kind of what happened over the last month was your your rehab changed at first kind of more in charge from the team point of view and then maybe more your personal trainers being in charge. Kind of, first of all, is that true? And then second of all, uh, you know, kind of if, if an injury or something does happen in the future, who would be, you know, how would that, how would that play out? Um, first off, hats off to whoever got that information. That's impressive. Um, that's very impressive. But yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, you know, it's, it's no secret. Guys have used their own people for sure. Um, I feel like we're working in conjunction with the team. It's not like a picking sides type deal. Um, <clears throat> I think that's that that was one of the, the best things about it. we started progressing forward and collaborative effort. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's the team's decision to, to whether I'm clear or not, you know, and I feel like that's that's the message. Like, that's it, you know, and we they, they, we chose to they chose to say what wasn't clear and good to go. And that's what it was. But um, that didn't play a role into uh, uh, if you're trying to say if that's I don't know what ESPN said, but if that's um, that didn't play a role, but that did that did happen. It's not um, it's normal for, for players to do that. Um, so it's not like a foreign a foreign thing. Uh, Drew Hill, Daily Memphian. Donovan, after watching the game last night, is there an area specifically you think uh, where you'll be able to make an impact on this matchup? And do you expect you're going to have to shake off some rust after, you know, missing all that time and then trying to jump into the middle of a playoff series? Um, well, first off, you know, I think the, the turnovers were the biggest piece. You know, whether I'm there or not, we can't turn the ball over 16 there's a 16 times. I think for me, just alleviating that pressure, you know, Dylan Brooks is a hell of a defender. Um, like I said, they're a physical team and just being able to alleviate some of that, I think will generate open looks. And like I said, we missed a lot of open looks last night. We missed a lot, you know, even with our 16 turnovers. So it's nothing to be like, I'm going to come in and just change everything. You know I mean? There's a lot of things we did even when I was out that we did really well. And I think that's the biggest thing that we should look at as a team. We did a lot of things really well in our small mistakes or what led us to lose game one. Uh, I'm just going to come out there and just do what I do, what I do, you know, at the best I can and kind of go, go from there. Uh, but I'm not, not looking to, to just go out there and just try and change everything. One man solo show, like this is a team thing. And we've been out there doing this all year. Um, and I think that's, that's the best part about this team is it's not just one guy. It's a collaborative effort, collaborative group. And we're going to go out there and do every can to, to win game two and win the series. Sam Amick, The Athletic. Donovan, good to see you. You you mentioned the dynamic with the team medical staff and your people, and I just kind of wondered, to be clear, did your folks feel like you were ready to roll or was there agreement from those two sides? And and second quick follow-up is it's not ideal, I think you would agree, to have a guy of your stature this frustrated at such an important time. I mean, you talk about moving on. Are you pretty confident that in terms of the, the internal dynamics you guys can move forward right away? Yeah, I mean, we had a meeting with the team. I talked to the team myself, and I said, look, guys, like, I talked to just my teammates. I said, look, we're in here together. Um, I don't know if I should have shared that, but that's what it is. We're in here together, and I want them and I want my teammates first before anything else to understand that that's what it is. You know, and at the end of the day, it was made to be a big thing, which is, like I said, your job. That's what you guys get paid to do, and I understand that. But we're here to win, we're here to win games, and I couldn't be out there to do that, and I was frustrated. Uh, it's simple as that. Um, 
it was all, I, I felt like I was ready to play. Well, signs were pointing me to play and then I wasn't. Um, that's what happened. I don't really know. Like there's no intern, like that's what happened. And we're here and we're going to move on from this and focus on game two. Cause if we sit here and worry about that, then we're not focused on the task at hand and we're playing a really good Memphis team. And that's what we got to go out there and find a way to compete and, and go out there and win. Thank you. Uh, Thurl Bailey, Jazz TV. Hey, Donovan, obviously, uh, you know, your presence makes a huge difference on this team. Um, knowing that you're ready, do you feel like there's going to be any type of limitations, minute restrictions or anything like that based on uh, how you feel you want to contribute to, on Wednesday? Um, it's a conversation to be had. Um, I mean, if anybody plays, they'll tell you, man, I want to play the full 48. Like that's, that's anybody, you know what I mean? But um, I'm going to go out there and just play every minute that I can, you know, whether we have one or not, you know, I won't share if we do, because we haven't had that discussion uh, to be honest with you, uh, thorough, but I'm ready to go full bore, you know, if needed. So um, it's playoffs, you know, at the end of the day, but, you know, understanding that you got to be smart with my body too, you know, understanding that because seen in the past and we all have seen it, that the guys kind of push it and then you end up, making it worse. So you got to be smart with it as well. And that's a conversation we'll have collaboratively as a group and, and go from there. Thanks, Donovan. Thank follow up from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Donovan, all, all indications were that you were going to play in game one. So I, I'm wondering, is there any fear that the same thing would happen for game two? No. All right. And next question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, you mentioned that uh, you'd had a meeting with your teammates saying, you know, you guys are in this together. Did you have a meeting with the coaches or training staff or management or anything to kind of dissect and and, and evaluate the process of how things went down yesterday? Was there any kind of follow up today to kind of go over what had happened and and how that process evolved? Uh, No, I mean, the only follow up was really to clear me. Um, and just go from there. And that was, that was pretty much it. Um, no, there's no big organic like discussion. There was no big thing. Like this is the playoffs. We we're focused on one goal. You know what I mean? This is not the time for all that. Um, and I think the biggest thing for us is we're going to go out there and try to win the championship. Um, I just want to make sure the guys that I'm going to battle with every day, you know, I think I took that personally when I was like, look, like I want to make sure we're all on the same page. And that doesn't change because at the end of the day, you know, we have phones, we have Twitter, we have Instagram and this has been everywhere. So it's, it's, it's one thing to kind of let it linger and fall. You can just go ahead and kill it from the jump. You know, and that's what I wanted to accomplish with my team meeting. And it wasn't even really a meeting. It was really like a few sentences and that was it. Um, but I wanted to accomplish that, but you know, it's playoff time and all the other stuff is, is whatever. All right. There's Donovan Mitchell answering some questions, but leaving the bigger question, what the heck happened before game one still out there in the air, just kind of hanging there. And I don't believe any Jazz fan has a completely satisfactory answer. Uh, Go win game two will make people feel better. So we'll see if the Jazz are able to do that. What is trending? Coming up next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Donovan, all all indications were that you were going to play in game one. So I'm wondering, is there any fear that the same thing would happen for game two? No. 
Best shortest answer of the avail yesterday, PK, right there. There will be no surprises before game two. Donovan says he's ready to go, and this time he'll go. Well, as they say in my hood, he playing. He's clear no, no, to no, play. That's not Sandy, of course. They got to go way back. Oh, you got to go back to Pedro? No, 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 no. You got to go back to Jersey? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been a different number. Skipped right over Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix? Yeah, no. No, no. That's back to Jersey. <laughs> he playing, and this is awesome. This is it. We love stories. This, this is, is a story. This is a phenomenal story. What the heck happened? Yeah. I mean, Quinn, Quinn and Donovan both talked, and I didn't get any closer to feel like I know what happened. There were plenty of good questions, well, but the, the answers. The medical people said no. Yeah. And then put Quinn Snyder up there. And he basically, in his own way, which I would agree with, sort of passed the buck. I'm not privy to the information. I'm focused. I'm coaching the team. If that's his, and he had nothing to do with it, they put him out there, and he ends up being the spokesman. As I said this morning, it reminded me of a a sticky situation like they would do with Bronco that one summer when they were going independent, and training camp was underway. And every day, they didn't have the officials speak, the ones above him, so he was left to answer for it. And he's trying to coach a football team. It wasn't his job. And obviously he didn't like it because he took off that and he doubled his salary. Let's never forget that. Uh, and so sort of the same thing here with Quinn Snyder. They put him in the position of having to answer for it rather than people above him who probably don't want to answer for it either. <laughs> so, But it's a, it's a great story. It's not necessarily great for the Jazz, but a storyline because in my mind, and we can get to it this morning, this puts all sorts of pressure on the Jazz to win this series because if they don't win this series, and especially if they lose four three, they gave away a game at home. The answer for that, yeah, they gave away a game at home. Yeah, and what what happened? Who changed their mind, or who gave new information, or who was new to the process, or what? Because it seemed all signed, sealed, and delivered. And hey, Stevie Wonder, a little bit. That's a great song, by the way. All right, the other news of the day, which honestly I thought would have been the biggest news of the day on any other day. I thought whenever it came out on an off day, it would probably be the biggest news. Jordan Clarkson announced as the NBA's sixth man of the year. Joe Ingles finished second in the voting, and he gave Clarkson the award. Good for them. Seventh man of the year. Just give it to him right now. The seventh man? Yeah, that's what I said. They should have to go junior high. Let's have trophies for everybody. And the 14th man of the year is... I don't really get into these awards, but if it's a big deal to them, I'm all for it. It's definitely a big deal to the fans. And the, the, most, the, the only award that it matters to me is MVP of the finals. Even that, though. If, you've got, if they give it to the wrong player, if two guys are great for a team and they, you think they give it to the wrong guy, at that point, do you care? Are you so no, happy well, you're the, the champion? The, that's the point. You are the champion. So what difference does it make? Yeah. That's the one there that signifies is. that your team accomplished the goal that every team is after. That's why. The individual award, so they what are they gonna go somebody who's a multi trillionaire gonna give him a free car? <laughs> there you go. Right. right. You got a two hundred million dollar I mean, contract. I mean the people who have so much money get all the free stuff. True story. Doesn't make any sense. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Middleton, top of the key. Bounce to Giannis. Winds up. Slams it. What a beautiful bounce pass by Chris Middleton. 84-55 bucks. 23 for Giannis. Monte Morris has it at the midcourt circle. Ball arena crowd to its feet. Five seconds to go. Jokic three. 
Highlights from a pair of games in the NBA that really weren't that competitive. Bucks won the early game 132-98. to After going OT with a the Heat, they beat them by 34. Antetokounmpo had 31 points. It's a 2-0 series now, PK. And the Nuggets and Blazers, that seemed to be a 10-20 to point game most of the uh, fourth quarter there. The, the Blazers would make a little run. And, you know, if you get within 12 with eight minutes to go and you got Damian Lillard, it could happen. But the Nuggets would just... Push the lead right back to 20. Jokic was pulling his Dirk Nowitzki, just getting to the free throw line, hitting 17-footers, looking incredibly comfortable. So he finishes with 38. Lillard, who had 32 at the half, finished with 42. Nuggets win 128-109, and that series is 1-1. I think the Bucks are better than they were last year. So uh, I expect them to have more success. I love the fact they got Holiday. Now he's a kid from the Pac-12, UC Los Angeles, so I'm biased. I've been following him, watching him play for years. But I think he's better than what they had. I think he's better than Bledsoe, basically. And that's uh, the one big difference they swapped out. So I like him better than Bledsoe. So I think they're better. And Aaron Gordon getting on uh, Lillard in the second half. That was the difference maker, right? Aaron Gordon has a lot of size. He's very athletic. I Mm -hmm. don't think he has necessarily much pure traditional basketball skill like I, I don't think he has an offensive move that you can count on he's not a shooter by any stretch but he's all sorts of athletic he's got size agility quickness everything that goes into what we define as as that as athleticism so putting michael not mike but michael malone on uh by aaron putting aaron gordon on him i think it was a wise move and did you see that thing oh mike Last last weekend, the, the sideline gal called him Mike, and he said, "Michael." Yeah, all right, excuse, Michael, it is. Excuse me. How about how about how about I just call you the son of an NBA coach? No, don't do that. <laughs> call me Mike. <laughs> Not drawing any attention to that. Three games tonight, and they are all pretty interesting here: Boston and Brooklyn. Can Brooklyn go up 2-0? Lakers and Suns at 8 o'clock. Those two games are on TNT. Are the Suns going to go up 2-0? Are the Lakers going to even this series up? And NBA TV gets the Mavericks and the Clippers at 8.30. So that'll be offset. Lakers game finishes, and then you'll have a chance to watch a focus. And you're probably flipping back and forth. But focus on the last five or six minutes of that Clipper game as well after the Clippers lost the first game at home to Dallas. Oh, yeah, for sure. LA teams both going down 0-2. You got more uh, more confidence in one of them getting to 1-1 than the Not other. Probably the Clippers, uh, but I got to see about Chris Paul on his shoulder. Yeah, you know he's basically a left-handed dribbler yesterday or Sunday, and they're talking about they're nervous. I listened to some radio in Phoenix yesterday, and they're nervous about that. Uh, so and and plus, you know, uh, Aiton is like a box of chocolates, man. What's it going to be today? We know what it was yesterday, and it was spectacular, but what's it going to be today? Eight and five. And we're not sure what it's tomorrow. Eight and five? DeAndre, eight and five? See? Eight points, five boards. <laughs> Where'd you go? Why are you hating Aiden? Come on back. Don't be hating Aiden. I like it. Golden State Warriors general manager Bob Myers says he's pretty confident the franchise will be able to re-sign Steph Curry to a contract extension this summer. The deal Curry could be in line for could make him the first player in NBA history to sign two separate deals worth over $200 million. He signed a five-year, $201 million deal in 2017. He's in line for a four-year, $214 million extension this offseason. 
And then he'll get some free stuff, PK. A new car. He can buy a few car dealerships, I'm sure. These guys making enormous amounts of money, but he's a star of the highest level. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. What's going on, bro? Man, look, you want to go to the Cowboys, Julio, or you want to stay in Atlanta? Oh, man, nah, I'm out of there, man. Ideally, where would you like to go? Right now, I'm just, I want to win. Okay. Dallas. We don't go to Dallas. If you go to, you ain't winning in Dallas, Julio. Nah, you already, you already, man, listen, come on, man, you already know, I know. Listen, sure. listen, you know how people is, man, with all that going right. on with the, the picture? Yeah. yeah. And all that, stuff like that. Okay. Man, I ain't never been on there. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's good enough. Yeah. Julio, I'll talk to you later. Thanks for calling me back. We on air, but I appreciate you calling me, dog. That's Shannon Sharp on FS1's Undisputed Show. That's Julio Jones on the phone with him. And Julio Jones saying as far as Atlanta, well, he's out of there. Wide receiver drama. Do any, any other players at any other positions announce her out of there? On live TV well, on the phone. Players who've got stature, not somebody who's fighting to make a roster. Um, and there's Adams there for the Jets to Seattle a few years back. So, yeah. Uh, but you know, he's a premier guy, so he can say it. And it took a while to get to it, man. I kind of lost track there. My attention span started. I was looking to see, I looked at to see that uh, how much money. Guys made for winning the U.S. Open, uh, or I mean the PGA. Phil made uh, two million one hundred sixty thousand. So get to the point already. You lost me, but I saw that yesterday. He wants out, so fine, go out. There's no guarantee anywhere you go. This is the NFL. Any number of teams could win it. You can't do it. This is not like Kevin Durant. Oh, I'll go to the Warriors and then we'll win a title, and then my mother will be on the court afterward, acting like this is the impossible dream. When it was just about guaranteed that it was going to happen. You were two to five favorites. (laughs) Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, in an appearance on Kenny Mayne's final Sports Center, said the issues with the franchise are not due to the fact they drafted the former Aggie Jordan Love. More about an organizational philosophy that has gone awry. Quote, with my situation, look, it's never been about the draft pick, picking Jordan. I love Jordan. He's a great kid. We've had a lot of fun working together. Love the coaching staff. Love my teammates. Love the fan base in Green Bay. An incredible 16 years. It's just kind of about a philosophy and maybe forgetting that it is about people that make the thing go. It's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing things the right way. A lot of this was put in motion last year, and the wrench was just kind of thrown into it when I won MVP and played the way I played last year. This is just kind of, I think, a spill out of all of that. It's about the people. That's the most important thing. Green Bay's been about people. From Curly Lambeau being owner and founder to the 60s with Lombardi and Starr and those incredible names to the 90s with Holmgren, Favre, and the Minister of Defense. It's about people. What's he talking about? He hates the GM. Just get to the... He, he loved the coaching staff, so what's left? You hate the GM? You don't like the team president? I mean, the ownership, you can't really... It's not a traditional ownership there in Green Bay, so... Publicly the board company. of directors, you don't yeah. like him. What's left? I don't know. But he did it on Kenny Maine. They make a big deal of this Kenny Maine. Hey, I barely know who he is. Kenny's a national treasure. I, I can't even recall watching him. What, what's it? He just reads the teleprompter? Deadpan humor. Says quirky things. Yeah. Tackle football highlights coming up next, as if they ever showed flag football highlights. Uh, Former quarterback himself. I thought he was a receiver. 
Oh, he was with zero. Nah, I barely know who he is. Well, I read him. Right <laughs> after I, got, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of it, but... He made fun of other TV people. You would have enjoyed that. He's a, At the end of a package... He's an anchor, dude. They're sort yeah. of interchangeable, He does they? like to make fun of fellow media, though. He does all That's that. at the end of a piece. He say, thanks, Bob. Thanks for doing your job. Bob who? Yeah, whoever. Just Bob. Maybe Bob Lee. I don't know. Any reporter. Any reporter who had any report from any playoff game anywhere, or trade, or hiring, or firing. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for doing your job. And all these people are interchangeable. When I go, then to get somebody else in here and turn on the radio the next day, and away you go. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. And he hits a ball a ton to left field. It's a no-doubter up, up, and away out of here. The Marlins get three more on that swing. Eight to two, Marlins. Swing and a drive to the gap in right center, and this is going to get down and may score them both. A Rosarena walks home. Loud a third. He's going to be waved home. On his way to third is Margot. It's a two-run triple, and the Rays have built up a 13-7 lead here in the 11th. Tampa Bay Rays going to win 14-8 to beat the Toronto Blue Jays. Tampa's won 11 in a row. I watched that yesterday. He was on uh, the network. They are the first... American League team to 30 wins. Best record in baseball, don't they? Half game behind the Padres. They're 30 and 19, and the Padres are 30 and 18. Yeah. The Rays aren't going away, PK. Very impressive. You know, that's that's the idea of the old statement that organizations win titles. Yes. They do. The players do too. You need them both. But you need to have your great management. And apparently they've got it, man. They traded Snell. And they're still rolling. Good for them. They play in a crappy stadium, don't get good attendance. They are the Oakland A's East, except they've had a little more postseason success than the Athletics. Yeah, but I think they're worse uh, as far as the stadium and all. Yeah, the stadium is just a dump. And at least the A's. I mean, they, they've been there longer. So Yep. A's have been doing it longer. But the Rays are doing it in a difficult division with the Yankees and Red Sox and all the money and glamour and tradition. Yeah, but they don't cheat. The, the, the A's got to overcome cheaters. Good point. <laughs> Start banging on those trash can lids. Oh, you also heard in there uh, Marlins, right? Adam Duvall had a three-run homer to lead Miami to a 9-6 to win over the Phillies. The Marlins getting within a game of 500. Padres' nine-game win streak is over. The homestand ended. The win streak ended right away. They go on the road, and Milwaukee beats them 5-3. to Milwaukee is their kryptonite. Milwaukee sweep them earlier this year? The Brew they Crew. They did. Yeah. Brew Crew pick up a game, only two behind the Cardinals, who lost 5-1 uh, to one to the White Sox. Oh, Tony Russo beating his old club. Getting that W. B scores seven times in the sixth inning, and they beat Las Vegas 8-5. to five. Series final tonight at 8 o'clock. Steve Clocky with the call right here on the Zone Sports Network. What is trending? It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Wait a second. What do you got? 70 years ago today, something happened. That's historic in baseball. May 25th, 1951. 70 years ago today. Did the Say Hey Kid debut? It did. Hello, Willie Mays. Yeah. The greatest of them all. 70 years ago today. 
And I think he started out like one for 30 or something. And I think he sucked right off the bat, and he, he questioned whether he could play at that level. They sent him back down? I think they did, yeah. yeah. And then he came back. And, of course, I think that was the year that he was on deck and Thompson hit the home run. Was that the same? Yes. I think it was the same year, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think Willie was on deck, but, yeah. 70 years ago today. Wow. He ended up being the rookie of the year. He was good. <laughs> Thanks, VK. Breaking news here. <laughs> Willie Mays was good. That'll do it for today. Coming up, jazz analyst for the AT&T Sportsnet, Mike Smith, joins us at 8.30. Evan Barnes, Memphis Grizzlies B-Rider for the Commercial Appeal at 9 o'clock. More on the jazz coming up next. Your reaction, Donovan Mitchell meeting with the media. Quinn Snyder meeting with the media. What do you make of all of this? We will get to that next. Stay with us. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's time now for Odd Takes or Toast. Brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Question of the day. Donovan Mitchell, what else would it be, right? Donovan Mitchell steadfastly believes he could have played in Game 1. Jazz Brass decide otherwise. He now says he's good to go for Game 2. What do you make of all of this? Tyler says, was two more days going to do something that five weeks couldn't do? I doubt it. Training slash medical staff need to get the crap together. How do you miscommunicate something like this to an all-star? Right or wrong, the whole situation was an embarrassment to the Jazz organization. Unless they win a series. Ah, have you read all these replies already? No. (laughs) But conversely, if they lose a series, then it becomes an even bigger issue than it is today. Uh, That's what Tony posted. Tony says, it's a non-issue if the Jazz win the series. Right. It's a big deal if they lose. (laughs) There's a lot of truth to it. There it is. Tony nails it. Yeah, I think they'll win the series. Yeah, if they win it and... And five, and or even six, and have a couple days off, and get ready for well, the next series. Seven. It becomes a footnote. Yeah. The, the winning solves everything, or most things anyway. So uh, go out and win, and it doesn't much matter. Lose, then man, you, we'll remember this for a long time to come. The number one seed losing, and your star player offensively doesn't play he's ready, first game. He's ready to go. Yeah. And hours before, I don't know that anything uh, compares to this. I'm trying to think, and I don't have that memory to. I let things come and go in my brain. I try not to clog it up too much. Only when I'm on the golf course, uh, and so <laughs> you clog your brain up on the golf course. Yeah, I overthink everything. <laughs> Get about 45 thoughts running mm-hmm. through your head while you're trying to make a putt, because mm-hmm. yeah. that really makes it easier to make that six footer. Yeah, yeah. I, I overthink everything on on the golf course, and the friends that I play with are all nodding their heads right now. <laughs> And so, 
Uh, I don't have the memory for the other stuff. It doesn't concern me, so I let it go. You're better at this. But I don't know that I've ever heard anything that compares to this. Now, go ahead and win, and it doesn't much matter. Lose, particularly lose a seven-game series, which I have a hard time believing that they would lose a seven-game series because that would mean seven game seven obviously would be in this building. place would be electric. Uh, I just don't see them doing that. So I think in the end... It's going to be a learning experience, but it's not going to matter. It's sort of like this is the second year in a row that uh, drama has surrounded Donovan Mitchell. We had last year with the COVID and the unsalvageable, and he didn't like Rudy Gobert, blah, blah, blah. So we went through that drama, and we came out of it, and they both had banner seasons. They both represented the team in the All-Star game for the second consecutive year. Uh, they both... Uh, Posted the best record in the NBA. Gobert chose to resign. Mitchell was a restricted dude, as I understand the rules, so uh, he didn't have as much leverage there. That that time will come. But they're still here, and they play well together. So all that drama went away. I suspect that this drama will go away, too. Because they win the series. Because winning fixes so many things. But if they don't... Then that's how we remember the series. People are going to have to answer for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it ups the pressure, and there's pressure on these guys, and I think there's pressure on the NBA. I've, I've said for years and years and years, when you hear people say a uh, team is playing with house money and they're loose and blah, blah, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. So I don't believe that any team in the playoffs is loose and uh, we got nothing to lose. I think that's all bull crap. I think yeah, that, the teams that do have that, I think they get beat. They're not around at this point, and, and jobs are at stake, all sorts, generational money, is at stake. So much is at stake. At the pro level, I don't think there's... I, I've I, When the Jazz were picked by Frank Hughes, whoever the hell Frank Hughes is, and where has he gone, I have no idea. Uh, he picked him the one year to win nine games, and they won their 10th game, and somebody said, oh, they're playing with house money. No, <laughs> they're not. No one at this level. There's so much money involved and so much intensity that I. that's my own personal belief. If somebody else wants to think differently... So I don't care that Memphis is eight and they're loose and all that. None of that matters to me. That's all a bunch of excuses. That's all, what you're saying is your team didn't win. And that that's what you're saying. My team didn't win when they were supposed to. And so now I'm coming up. It's the referees. It's all oh, they were loose and, and blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is your team didn't win. Because if your team wins and the other team is loose, great, they're loose. Who cares? So now they've got an opportunity to take care of this here starting tomorrow. And then what is it, Saturday, Monday? And yeah, and so it's it's real important that they get this. And I don't care what Memphis is doing. And Memphis can have uh, guaranteed millions of dollars and don't have any pressure whatsoever for the rest of their lives. doesn't matter. You have to win. And you got your guy back. And now the pressure's on him to play well. And I believe, and I've stated this, by the time he's done wearing a GS uniform, that he will go down as one of the most clutch players, if not the most clutches, the clutchiest ever, to wear a Jazz uniform, at least since I've been here. The clutchiest. Yeah. Yeah, I think he has it. I do. It's a new word. I've not heard clutchiest before. I think he has that in him. Well, if he's got that in him, and you're not alone in thinking that, then the Jazz are going to be fine with the Grizzlies. I think they are. Yep. And this is all a footnote. That's interesting in the short term. Absolutely. It's nothing that I can compare it to. I mean, I told you 
uh, walking in the building. I had a guy, I, I know some people oh. that, that work for the Lakers, and they are texting me last night. What's going on? This is crazy. We've never seen anything like it. And so I'm wondering, yeah, I said, yeah, that's just bizarre to me too. Uh, you know, how, how it went out and are we at odds? Do we have the medical people of Mitchell versus the medical people of the Jazz and are they battling it out and blah, 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 blah. I said, I don't know the answer to any of those questions, man. Donovan was asked that and... He was impressed with the question that that reporting had been done. I think ESPN had it first. Yeah, but I think he also debunked it later in the interview. Yeah, he didn't think that it was the conflict between those two groups that drove this. Right. So. I think that was sarcastic when he said it was, so that's impressive. The way I took it, that's not mm. true. That's impressive that they put that out there. Mm. So did someone get new information? Or did someone change their mind? Because Donovan also debunked that he provided any new information. What do you mean? Well, if he had said, uh, hey, I was doing this and I, I felt something, or uh, oh, no. I landed on it wrong, there was that would explain what, what would happen, except he said nothing like that happened, and he provided no new info on how he felt. Well, he gave his interview on Sunday after the practice. Yeah, he's ready to go. So, unless he tripped... Falling off a curb, right? Or something, if he steps off a curb wrong, or there would have, been, there would have been no nothing physical that he would have. That's why it was so surprising. Oh, for sure, yeah. Rick, I think the Jazz brass didn't take game one seriously and thought they could win without Don. The Grizzlies shot the best they have all season. The Jazz the worst in the past three years, and Memphis barely won by three. I think it's going to be over in five games. The Jazz won't shoot that poorly again, and the Grizz won't shoot that great again. They're a young team and won't be able to sustain a healthy Jazz squad. Yeah, see, I don't think that the Jazz went in, oh, we don't need Mitchell, we got this. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, don't, I just don't think at this level you think you have anything. <laughs> until you have it. So that would that would indicate some level of arrogance, uh complacency. You know, you can have confidence, that's fine, but I think it's beyond the confidence. And so I don't really think that they thought that. I don't think that was their thinking. So the thinking is more along the lines of and this goes back to stuff to compare it to. I mean, there isn't anything perfect to compare it to, but Calls have been made on other players. Are they healthy enough to go in the playoffs? Should they play through this? Grant Hill famously played through an ankle injury and then had ankle problems for a decade. See, I don't remember that at all. Oh, yeah. You brought that up 20 times already, but I don't remember it. <laughs> Tim Duncan sat with a knee problem, won four titles after that. I remember that Grant Hill thinks he was one of my favorite players growing up. I remember playing through it. I know he had injuries yeah, that sidelined him, but I don't remember a specific playoff game where Grant, he was you're going the, to play, you're not going to play. He was with the Pistons. He, was, he yep. played through it. I don't yeah. remember that at all. And how do, Memo, we, how do we know that that exasperated it? Do you know that? Well, you don't have a parallel universe to prove that it would have been fine if he hadn't played on it then. I mean, maybe his ankle right, would have... so what's the point? There is nothing that compares to it, so why try to come up with comparisons to it? Mehmet Okur thought he could play through an Achilles injury, and he tore it completely. I mean, making a, making a health call on a player, what makes this unusual is the call had... We thought the call had been made, and he was in. Now, all kinds of indications he was going to go, and then suddenly he didn't. And they lost the game, because if they'd won the game, it would have been a footnote. An ankle note. So to speak. Thank you. 
Blair says none of this is going to matter if the Jazz don't play defense, especially protecting the key. Every Memphis and a few 90-year-old ladies were tearing up the paint in game one. That's the restricted area. Nobody calls it the key or the the paint. But see, the problem with the paint is that... Oh, they break the paint. Quinn uses that expression. But sometimes it's not painted. Right? Not all arenas have that painted. No. Some have like a special lacquered finish on the floor. So don't call it the paint. And don't call it the cup. I know everybody loves DB and she's the greatest. But when she calls it the cup, it just drives me nuts. It's not a cup. A cup has a bottom. How would you get the ball back? Yeah. They took the bottom out of the peach basket but she's DB. very quickly. DB is the greatest. Well, as long as you know that. If DB was a man, I wonder how much uh, we would just be pumping her up. She is the greatest. There's no question about it. But, man, I get so sick of it. It's like, all right, we get it. You're progressive. You want that, and you pump that. We understand all that. But tone it down a little bit. It's an, an announcer is an announcer. But it's not the cup. Don't call it the pain either. Call it the key, the lane, the three-second area, the restricted area down below. They like jargon. Clearly. Leroy says, just go out and finish this series in five. Enough with the drama. How about win game two? Finish in five? Speaking of arrogance. Tyson says, as long as Gobert is good to go, that's what's most important. He was good to go the other night, although he fouled out, so he wasn't good to go as much as he normally is because the fouls restricted him, which I think is just, they've got to change that rule. 25 minutes instead of 35. That's ridiculous. To have someone be disqualified from playing, you don't do that. You can't issue a penalty in baseball. I guess in your soccer you can do it, but nobody cares about that. Uh, Football. Unless you do something beyond committing a regular penalty, you don't get ejected or disqualified. Now, if you get into something else, you can commit 22 holding calls. You'll get benched. You don't get kicked out for misdemeanors is what you're saying. In any sport, you can get kicked out for the felony. You know, a couple flagrant fouls, you're out. Soccer, two yellow cards is the same as a red, and you're out. You get caught throwing a punch in a football game, they're going to kick you out. But not a common foul. Not a common foul. Right. And I just think it's ridiculous. Baseball, you argue balls and strikes, he'll show you the door. Well, there's plenty of ways to get ejected, but yeah. But just common fouls, infractions that happen during the course of the game. So they had Gobert, but 25 minutes of Gobert is not enough. Needed 10 more. And then even though Derek Favors just played one heck of a ball game. Favors was good. Props to him, man. But he doesn't have that aura of invincibility that just scares people away. Right, exactly. You know, so they challenged him and he blocked a bunch of shots, but they kept coming and they got enough to win the game. Yeah. And he rebounded and he scored and yada yada. Jonathan says we're going to forget all about this by the Western Conference Finals. Well, I think that you can forget all about it in the first round. That's a great opportunity that they have, is they can just bury this thing quickly, and it will just be a footnote. And I suspect they will. I would be surprised if they didn't. That's my stance right now. My stance hasn't changed at all regarding this series. Hmm, At all? No. 
Now, it could change dramatically. Well, if, if, you thought, if you thought Jazz in four versus Jazz in five is a change, or maybe you picked them in five and now you think six. And I never really picked them. I just okay. thought they would win the series. Well, I still think they're going to win the series. And I thought all the angst over game one. I mean, I get it. You know, you're, you're for fans who are into every game, it sucks when they lose a game. But I don't think it's going to change I the picked, outcome of the I series. Picked, I, mean, I didn't pick it, but in my mind I had five or six. Because I did say last Friday that I thought Memphis was more dangerous than the Warriors. You can go back and listen. Yes, you did say that. You don't have to. I can tell you. I know you heard that. But I thought that they were going to beat the Warriors or beat Memphis. Oh, for the Jazz perspective? Yeah, I thought they were going to win either one of those series. But They're the better team. But the point I'm making is I thought that the Warrior, the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies were more, are more likely to take an extra so team. So I expected, game, right? yes, exactly. Right. So I expected sure. them to put up a representative fight for an eight seed versus number one. I never thought that this was going to be easy. I'm not sure that right now I think it's going to be harder than I thought Sunday. Mm. Now, if they lose tomorrow, then then it dramatically changes. Yes. But neither you or I believe they're going to lose tomorrow. I do not think they're going to lose tomorrow. No, I, I feel very confident that I they're going to I expect some type of Denver-like response. It doesn't matter to me. Denver came out, controlled that game, got the win. And it's still just 1-1. They've still got plenty of work to yeah. do. But that was a strong that, performance that, But that from stuff Denver doesn't matter. But you, Winning by 30 doesn't... It doesn't. It, it you're doesn't. right. But don't you expect... I expect it, them to win. Yes. Uh, I would say comfortably. And is that 10, 15, 25? Right. I don't, I don't know. Well, we're saying the same and thing. And it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. But there is something about the confidence you get from playing well. Whatever margin that transfers to. I mean, we've talked about uh, that forever. Margins sure. or you know, a final score can be really misleading. But I hope this team isn't in the position where it needs confidence. To me, they ought to have it already. They can reaffirm it, yeah, but, but don't they ought you to, think have they, to have Don't it. you think they have a little anger and a little chip on their shoulder now? In a way, no problem. In a way, don't you secretly like that? I mean, you'd rather be one oh than one. I I flat out love it. (laughs) I I show up every day with a chip on my shoulder. Yes, you do. And so I want them. Yeah, I think everyone should have it. Well, they got it now for sure. That's a great motivator. They might have had it anyway, though. But I. But they ought to have more of it now. Okay, I can buy what you're saying, but I believe that they should enter the arena tomorrow full of confidence. Yes, irregardless. And a little. And if you want to add a little (laughs) dose, um, that's fine. Yeah. Although I don't know why they would be. Because people are picking against them and they're on social media and they see that because they lost game one because they feel like they're playing with one hand tied behind their back. But I don't think that there would be any less or more if they were up 1-0. The the folks who were picking the... That's still that that part of the storyline. That part of the storyline is the same. Yes. But if you want to add to it and you think so, and it helps them, I can see it. I also don't think they need it because I don't think that people are picking them anyway. And, and, and it's to me, it's stupid if a team loses by three without its best offensive player for somebody to be running around saying, See, I told you. <laughs> that seems no, way too premature. No, to it do would that. be more, Who do I know in Salt Lake? Let's reach out to them. What the heck is going on there? What do you know? What can you tell us? Like you got last night. Yeah, but that's particular to the to the Mitchell issue as opposed to the team. But if you're thinking that, oh my gosh, see, I told you, I think that's 100% premature evaluation. 
All right, DJ and PK, stay with us. More of this coming up. We got more of your reaction on the way. Mike Smith, jazz analyst at 830 right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. One other note from the Mitchell thing. We need to get to this next. Uh, doesn't okay. have anything to do with him playing or not playing, but kind of his take on game one and uh, what they need to fix for game two. We will get to that coming up next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. This was the perfect storm for Memphis. They had this incredible, momentous win against Golden State that gave them all types of energy. Brooks, Morant, the whole crew, they're young. They don't even realize what they're a part of right now. They're just running on adrenaline. They're happy to be there, and they're playing on house money. Yep. They shouldn't even have been in the playoffs. They played in to be into the playoffs, and they're playing on house money, and they're playing like it right now. They're a little wild. They're a little loose. They're very free, and they're doing some great things. But just understand that Donovan will come back, and, and Donovan Mitchell can get going and boost that energy on the court. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. When we turn the ball over seven, 17 times, 16 times, you playing into that, you know, and I think that's, uh, you know, kind of, they feed off of that. They feed off that energy and, and, and hats off to them for being energetic and continuously going out there on every possession. But, you know, for us, we got to stay sharp mentally. It's nothing we haven't seen before. We just got to go out there and execute. I don't think we did that to our best of our capabilities last night. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Christian Roberts Mortgage. If you're going to work with an expert for your next home loan, you need to connect with the most referred lender in Utah, Christian Roberts Mortgage. They specialize in jumbo loans. Donovan Mitchell talking turnovers, PK. He's going to help fix that. He thinks that was a problem in game one. Did you think of me? Yeah, I, I love that you, you can hold a grudge with the best of them. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. And, How are you? And that's because somebody from the Jazz got with Locke and said, what are they talking about turnovers for? Uh, and then Donovan unprompted started talking about turnovers. So you were right. That That's the whole essence. Let's get to the point here. I do want to get to that point because I enjoy that point. But I got to say, I didn't think turnovers... Although the, obviously the turnovers I weren't good early. in the first I quarter, they were significant. There were eight turnovers, and they still led by seven after one quarter. They weathered they that led storm. by seventeen. There is that. You got me there. <laughs> so yeah, don't be sloppy with the ball. Turnovers, not all of them are created equal by any stretch. True story. So my thing is, don't be sloppy with the ball. And That's Quint, the way yeah. it goes. And Quinn thought there was some sloppiness with yeah. the ball that did not lead to turnovers late in the game. Not hitting guys who were open for a shot in rhythm. Making them catch a, a, a poor pass that took them out of their shooting rhythm. And so that's, that's being sloppy with the ball, but it doesn't end up in the turnover category. But it's not crisp either. Okay, sure. I can, I can live with, not live with it, but I can understand what you're saying. Yeah. Be crisp. Because when this team is crisp, we see it. Oh, yeah. And it's it's You, you feel it. You feel it. You see it and you feel it. Yeah. And they get on rolls and then the 10-0 run and then Locke's got the stat on how rarely they lose. And they finally did have a 10-0 run and lost a game, but uh, the record's outstanding when they get on those kind of rolls. Yeah. So that's what they didn't have. They never really had that. And I give them credit for battling back. They were down by 18, right? And obviously they made it literally a one-possession game at the end. But even at the end, they weren't crisp. I mean, they had an opportunity to really put the pressure on. You know, when they got it down to one possession, uh, time was running out. And 
with uh, two minutes to go, and it's a one-possession game, there's plenty of time. And they had opportunities. I know Conley missed a three uh, in front of the by the Jazz back bench. Back-to-back threes, in yeah. fact. And so they weren't crisp. It's going to happen. I suspect, and I hope, six weeks from now, we're going to talk about a loss that they had in which they weren't crisp. That means they're still playing in six weeks, and they've won two playoff series, yeah. if you see what PK's getting at yeah, there. exactly. And I think that, that those things are going to happen. That's just the way it is. I mean, they're not a complete, perfect team by any stretch. No one is. So we're going to see that. And we saw that from time to time in the regular season. But virtually every time, they bounce back. And that's what gives me a level of confidence, too, that they already have that confidence. They know full well that, man, they played maybe C-plus, maybe. And I'm not watching Memphis enough to know, but I think they probably played A, A A-plus. That was their A game. Certainly, I would think. You know, Brooks was an all-time game for him. Good, Good for him. He did it. That's great. I love his intensity. I love his passion. Uh, that he displays. I've got no problem with that. I appreciate that, man. I want to see it that these that this stuff really matters to these guys. And Brooks showed it, and Morant shows it, and uh, the, the the nucleus of the team. I love that. Uh, I love the effort that the the Grizzlies gave. Good for them, man. That's great. They're a young, developing team. And so, uh, and, and you talked about. I mean, uh, Taylor Jenkins talked about that after the game. You know, it's their progression that they're making as a young team, and that's that's accurate. So that's cool to see from their perspective. But I think the Jazz full will know. I think that's where they're irritated. I don't necessarily know that they're irritated because somebody in New Hampshire says, aha, maybe, maybe so. <laughs> but I think that it's about themselves. And they, they know what they have, and they know what they're capable of. And that's why when they, and probably a practice today, but specifically tomorrow, when they get to the arena – not for any shoot-around deal, but when they get to the arena for game time, man, it's got to be very, very serious. And at that point, nothing else matters. Time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic, back to talk about their breakthrough treatment for ED that doesn't involve a pill, injections, or surgery. And Andrew, I guess the question is, why are guys so hesitant to get this taken care of? Well, overall, there's a stigma around erectile dysfunction of, I'm a little embarrassed, and I think that stigma is really dangerous because it prevents treatment, Uh, the relationship suffers, the guy, of course, is impacted, his significant other, his partner, his spouse, impacted, so that's a dangerous thing. If you're out there struggling with ED, uh, you really should realize how easy it is to get the acoustic wave therapy at Wasatch Medical The average guy does a few 10-minute sessions. That's it. It opens up very gently the blood vessels. You'll notice more blood flow in the bedroom, where you want it, when you want it. You don't have to take a pill. And we've helped so many guys turn back the clock. So there's no reason to be embarrassed or hold back because the intimacy is such an important part of the relationship. So... What are the top causes of ED? Because guys have to be asking themselves, why is this happening? Yeah, we do see, you know, diabetes, prostate issues, and some of those things over and over. But we also see totally healthy and younger guys. I think it's normal for our blood flow to decrease, our already tiny blood vessels to become clogged and restricted. So it's normal. 
And if you're struggling, it doesn't mean there's necessarily anything wrong with you. So you got a special offer right now for guys who want to uh, give this a try. Save them some money. We do. And we know guys are hesitant like we talked about. So call us right now. You can do the consultation exam and even the blood flow ultrasound with our doctor at no charge. And you may say at that point, see ya. I never want to do treatments. That's okay. We'll give you a little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom as a thank you. You'll love it. And it's the first step in getting the relationship back on track, getting rid of the ED. Uh, Call us. It's all no charge. You can call 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. Andrew, I have that special offer for you right now at 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. So while the win percentage with the home and road doesn't, it suggests that um, it's not that big a deal, right? Home... You see the one, the three, and the four seed all lose at home. Okay, how big a deal is that right out of the gate? But it's an easy way to break down a series. And in the long run, we really think it ought to matter. Of course, there's smaller crowds this year. There's all kinds of things. But PK, with all these four series right now, and all this angst we feel with the Jazz after the game one loss, fan bases with the least and most angst, rank them. Or, because it feels so wide open, is everyone just... Pinning the needle. That's old, old school music reference right there. Is everyone else just pinning the needle right now? And there is no way to rank. The, the, the Jazz feel maximum angst right now. The Lakers feel maximum angst right now. You're on Phoenix Radio yesterday. The Suns feel maximum angst right now. It's like, welcome to this time of year. You think you got a shot, so you feel maximum angst. Because I think it's Phoenix and the, and the Jazz. Lakers, zero. Talk about house money. I mean, what's another title? Whoop de do. It's five. It's back to back, man. You do what you do what magic did. But that's Laker fans. I don't think Laker fans have a historical connection to LeBron. That's just LeBron. That's what LeBron wants. I, I get he's playing for it. But some dude in Pacoima. Yeah, they they want to win, but if they don't win, that was reload so, and do it again the next year. Just uh it'll never wait end. Wait till Lakers. October and the Dodgers will be in a World Series. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> well, maybe they won't be. I don't know, but they have a good shot, obviously. Uh, so I don't. I don't. I don't think there's that much attachment. LeBron is he going to go down as one of the greatest Laker? You're going to put him above Kobe? That's not happening. You're going to put him above Magic? That's not happening. It's just not. It's not going to happen. And Phoenix, Chris Paul is 36 years old. He's made a huge difference this year. There's no doubt. Now, they would have been better without him. But they wouldn't have been the two seed. I don't think so. If, if they would have kept Rubio, I think they would have been better uh, because they were just getting better. Uh, and they got a good coach in there and finally got uh, figured out what they need to do to find ways to win. <clears throat> but Paul has a sense of urgency. And the Jazz, number one seed, man. You have never won a title. Same thing with Phoenix. You've come close, but you've never done it. It's a small town, relatively speaking, in the NBA, and we want it so bad for these guys. 
and things are looking good. We had 13,500, the biggest crowd. It was going to even increase the home court advantage even more, except they lost. So all that stuff in the moment, I just don't know what difference that makes. It comes down to the players making plays, and to Memphis's credit, they made plays. But I think they feel for the Jazz because you've got you've got a couple older guys and Joe and Conley, and and Conley seems to be uh, more brittle as the years go by. And so how many games are you going to miss next? Is, is the hammy going to act up? Uh, yes. All this stuff. Yes, the hammy's going to act next But I'm, I'm not, I mean, in the Oh, playoff, in the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a decent chance to get through the playoffs yeah. with him yeah, he's healthy. He's not playing 82 games next year. We already know that. No, 50 to 65, right? Uh, probably. Because yeah. the back-to-backs are going to take I don't even know he's going to be with the Jazz. So Right. Uh, but So there's a sense of urgency in, in that. But, the, which, but that is a positive. That's not a negative. I think a sense of urgency can be something that can be used in the proper manner. And we saw it. We saw them at the last portion of the game in the fourth quarter have a sense of urgency, and they came storming back, and they made it a ball game. I don't know that you can play like that for four quarters, but they did that. So I believe a sense of urgency is great and can be used well. Now, a sense of panic is another story. But I don't think they're anywhere near that. Not at all. It's not even. It shouldn't even be even intimated the that you're discussing no. it. They lost one game. Whoop de freaking do! <laughs> if they win 16, they're not going to go 16 and one. And 16 is what you need to win the whole thing in number of wins. Well, they're not going to go 16 and one. So I'm perfectly fine. I have zero angst about this series. Now, in 48 hours, I could have 95% angst. Okay, there it is. (laughs) Even that, I don't think Wednesday is a must-win. Now, it's a very, very important game, obviously. Extremely important. Uh, But they could still overcome that. It would be very difficult. You'd have to obviously win four out of five, and that's hard to do. Uh, And when you talked about confidence... And that's where I think Memphis has an opportunity to really just grow their confidence. If they win this ball game, man. But then, too, the pressure shifts that to was, them. You took the words right out of my mouth. At 2-0 yeah. going home, there'd be pressure on them. There's right. no expectation for them to win the series. Uh, I disagree with that. Really? I think if you had Dylan Brooks right here and say, what's your expectation to win the series? And he'd say, very high. Okay, I'll give you people in that locker room think they the can do it. they're the ones that matter. They're the ones that matter the most. I thought you were talking about our perceptions. Nobody's picking them outside of their locker room. They can legit go and shock the world. They only have to play 500 ball to win the series. That's a true story. They split the next six. They're good to go. Yeah. Of course, that means that they're going to win game seven on the road, which NBA history says is real difficult to do. But nonetheless, we've seen teams playing their first game seven do it. The Jazz did it. Williams and Boozer, their first game seven on the road. So it's doable. Can be done. But my point is, there's actually more pressure on the Grizzlies today than there was Sunday morning. Hey, you beat the Warriors. You beat Steph Curry. Now, it's, you know, it's not that where he had the full deck that he's playing with, but you beat them. You beat the Spurs, whoop de doo I actually think that the play-in benefited 
the Grizzlies. Gave them a chance to warm up and get yeah. into it. Yeah. yeah, they played a crappy team. <clears throat> and they were the favorite. They had to win that game. And, and they, they got did. a big lead, and then they lost it, but they still won. The Warriors had to go right, literally down to the last second against the Lakers. So a lot took a lot out of them. The, the Grizzlies didn't have that. This is the playing thing. It's a great thing. I love to see it continue. But it, the not, you were better off having the ninth seed than you were the eighth seed. And they did what they needed to do. Good for them. And then they come in here and they get this win. All right, well, they're beyond all the little happy-go-lucky story of, of this team just sort of playing out there, blah, 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 blah. No, I don't think, I don't think that's the case. They're playing to win just as much as anybody else. And Taylor Jenkins is not exactly Pat Riley here. <laughs> Whoever heard of Taylor <laughs> Jenkins, right? Uh, nobody. Right. So he's coaching, he's coaching to keep a job. Are you kidding me? They all are. In, in, in pro sports, you literally could be coach of the year and be fired the next year. Happened many times. Yeah. True story. Then they're done that. So there's all sorts of pressure on these guys. And they're trying to establish themselves. You know, Morant's not going anywhere. I get that. But he's got pride, and he's trying to to establish himself league-wide, and, and it's harder to do in Memphis. If he's running around uh, in Los Angeles, he probably wouldn't have the opportunities that he has now because the ball is in his hands so much, and it wouldn't be. But they're all, they're all playing to make a mark. So let's not discount that the pressure's ratcheting up on Memphis. Also, so I think that all flushes out, and then it comes down to two things: is who has the more talent, who makes the plays, and that's where I think the Jazz the, have the more me, talent, and, and they I, better I think, make the plays. We got the sixth man of the year, and the seventh man of the year. Does that make Derrick Rose the eighth man of the year? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> no, I don't think it does because he's the sixth man for the Knicks. So it doesn't in, work that way, huh? No, because they're all they're all they listed the voting, and there yeah. was more than just the three guys. Uh-huh. They're all sixth men except Ingles, right? Ingles, because there's two guys from yes. the same team. First time, maybe so. I think so. It's ever happened. So he's bona fide the seventh man of the year. He's not others receiving votes in sixth man. He is the seventh man of the year. <laughs> he can. They ought to give him a plaque tonight. You're legitimately the seventh man of the year. And this will be the first time in uh, five-plus weeks that they'll go back to their rotations because everybody's been out of it a little bit. Joe's been starting. Now he'll go back, right? I assume that Mitchell and Conley will be starting the starting backcourt tomorrow. So I would assume, yeah. They'll go yeah. back to their Joe, Joe will go back to his seventh-man role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a plus. Obviously, getting Donovan Mitchell is a big-time plus. And Mitchell... I really believe in him. I, I believe in him as much as any jazz player that I've ever believed in since I've been here in 93. I don't go back. You believe in him more than John Stockton. No, I didn't say that. I said I believe in him as much as any jazz player since I've been here. You believe in him as much as John Stockton. What are you, Ed McMahon here? <laughs> yes, I <laughs> We went back to the Stockton era. Why not? Wow. Stockton played in the going right back to Stockton played in the We just repeated what I said. I don't First, you inaccurately. Nobody. Was, which absolutely. makes that city friggin' weekly award bogus. <laughs> He's sitting right here, and he misquotes me two seconds after I just said it. 
That's a journalist right there. <laughs> you misquote me right after I said it. Yeah, but it was good for the show. You believe in more. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said I believe in as much. And maybe there'll be a time when I believe in more, but not yet. Because that would be, that would be an insult to what John Stockton accomplished. Because he's done, and Donovan's getting started. Right. There's Check many, back in 10, 15 years. Too many years of getting it done in the yes. books. You can't, you can't right. compare guys who are in their third, fourth, or fifth year to right. somebody who's played 10 or 12 or 15. That's Except just, for Magic. Oh, really? Yes. You went with him right away? So I was just like, come on. move he over, was, Jerry West. He was magic. Move over, Oscar. He was magic. He was freaking magic, man. Move over, Bill Russell. <laughs> magic happened. It did. It really did. Yeah, yeah. So he was, you knew right off the bat, that guy, He his DNA did not come from planet Earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, put him aside. Come on, man. 20 years old, and he turns out that game in game six. Go look up that game. Wow. Phenomenal. Yes. So put him aside. But I don't want to insult the legacy of John Stockton or let Who's a carrier third? for that man. Who's third? Third what? Well, you got two guys in jazz history that you just believe in so much. And just you just look at me, they're getting it done. Stockton is going to do everything he can. He's going to perform to the highest level possible. And and Are you Mitchell talking too. clutchiness? Well, I, I thought that's what you were getting at, because what's the point of having it if you're not clutchiness? Clutchiness is going it's gonna, to it's gonna yeah, matter. Man, I, okay, I don't know that other guys got opportunities, because if Jeff Warnesek had an open 15-footer, I believe in him as much as anybody who's ever played the game. I thought that was going to be the third guy you went but to. I, but how many because times did he get the opportunity to not, do that? Not a lot. He made big plays in games, right. but he isn't going to get the last shot but in a close game. That's what we define that. Is. And even right. though it's somewhat askew, because... Uh, having a run in the first quarter uh, sure, could put but, you in the position to if, win the ball game, if, but somehow it's not magnified as much. If the team's down 10 with five minutes to go and they got to hit a shot to get back in this game and the ball went to Jeff, you thought, this thing's going in. They got to have this right now. This is a playoff game and they got a chance, but they got to come back here. And you thought, it's going in. So there's a degree of clutchiness there. I mean, it's not an all or nothing on the last shot with two seconds left and the ball in the air. In his prime, I believed in Darren Williams. His jazz prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Because he went to Brooklyn, and then there were... I don't even remember that. Right. I mean, I know he did, but I wasn't watching him. No, in his jazz prime, and then for a real short snapshot, a cup of coffee, Joe Johnson. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. He won that playoff series. Yeah. I said at the time, I wish this guy was five years younger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He could have, if they would have got him at 30 31, man, he really would have helped the team. You talk about the consummate professional. That was Joe Johnson, man. Yeah, Darren Williams had an interview with him and they played together in, in Brooklyn. And I remember Darren having a, a quote that I read, but because I'd interviewed him so much, it was like you could hear him saying it. And there was so much excitement. And Darren is, was not, I don't know, is, but at the time was not a guy who showed a lot of excitement about anything. And Joe Johnson fired him up. It's not an easy thing to do. How about going forward, Bogey? Yeah, the two game winners last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't count the other day because he said he got a good look and all. I don't think it was that good. It was 
good uh, under the circumstances. That's what I was about to say. It was probably better than anyone expected yeah. when they came out. But it's not like he had a great look in Houston, and he made it. I mean, you go to the two game winners. Yeah, I thought the uh, Milwaukee thing was, was a pretty good look. Ooh, that was still a tough shot. Scoring up, guys jumping at you. And now it had that whole buzzer beating, just let it fly, and no one's going to criticize you if you miss aspect to it. Yeah. That was... That's your that's your favorite go to point, and that one lived it. So I hope maybe I can put Bogey in that situation too. We'll see. Put him on the list. How far up the list can you move him? We'll find out. All right, DJ and PK. It's ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. We got Mike Smith, jazz analyst for AT and T Sportsnet, coming up next. And right now, we're joined by Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, you love to cite this study, Cambridge University. I mean, Andrew, you're just, you know, you're Andrew your whole life. At what point did you think you were going to be doing something and Cambridge was going to be studying it? <laughs> yes, it, it really was a game changer. I think that study was in 2018. There was 30 studies before it showing our technology worked uh, works for ED. But the Cambridge one was a game changer. And what's interesting about that study is that they tested men with erectile dysfunction that were no longer responding to the pill. So... I'm assuming that's severe erectile dysfunction. We're talking no function in the bedroom. The success rate was incredible, and it's totally safe. So really cool stuff. If you're out there struggling with ED, we've got a science-backed, clinically proven technology that very easily and quickly opens up the blood vessels, treats the root cause problem. The big attraction is no pill, no injections. We've seen guys turn back the clock 15 or 20 years and get back to more normal uh, function in the bedroom. So guys want to stop taking the pill, uh, but other guys want to take the pill. What's kind of the deciding thing there and what changes guys' minds? Well, if the pill is working wonderfully for you, I would say keep doing it. But if you're noticing some side effects, if the spontaneity or lack thereof is bothering you, if you got to take more and more of it, then this, this is the treatment for you uh, because it's this technology or pills. Uh, the pills cause side effects in like 80% of men. It's significant. So if it's not working for you, I would really consider this treatment, which has no side effects and only takes two to three weeks of treatments. You got a special offer for people who want to give this a shot today. Yeah, pick up the phone. Call us now, guys. Uh, you'll come in and meet with our doctor. We'll do an assessment exam. We'll do the blood flow ultrasound, totally free. You get the little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom, and you can not do treatments and just take the free if you'd like, but that is the first step. Uh, give us a call. It's no charge. 801-901-8000 is the number to give them a call. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic with a breakthrough treatment for ED. Call Andrew at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. DJ PK brought to you in part by Salt City Youth Sports. Registration now open for Skyhawk Sports Academy summer camps. Join them for action-packed, fun-filled summer of youth sports. At a location near you, choose between soccer, flag football fueled by USA football, golf, baseball, cheerleading, multi-sports camps, mini-hawk camps, and more. Find program information and register today at www.skyhawks.com. Time to welcome in Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Mike, good morning, and welcome back to the show. Good morning, guys. How's so I'm curious. 
I'm right. cu- we're good. I'm curious, since you obviously played at BYU in the 80s, and then you played in the NBA, and then you broadcast for a long time with the Clippers, and now the Jazz. Have you ever seen anything like what happened with Donovan Mitchell in the playoff opener? He's out for a long time. He's good to go. No, he's not. And the team's got to go out there and kind of short notice and adapt without him. It really was a little surreal, right? Crazy. Uh, I think Rudy probably said it best, right? We didn't find out till about 4 o'clock that he wasn't going to play. And so I think it, it affected him, right? The, the, the surprise factor, here you are playing or, you know, you got all. But what I've never seen before is what happened all week, right, with the play-in games. Here are the Jazz are practicing all week long and don't know who they're going to play until late in the week. That was a little bizarre. So that throws your preparation off a little bit. And then all of a sudden, to be thinking we get our star back and at the last minute he's a scratch, I think it affected him. There's no question. Uh, I think I said on the air the other night that Memphis looked ready and the Jazz looked rusty. And I think that assessment was fair, but that's not even taking into the fact that, you know, the whole Donovan surprise thing where you prepared for a week and said, oh, you know, here's how we're going to attack. Here's how we're going to play. And, guys, I think John Morant has a size-strength advantage on the Jazz if Donovan's not out there. You saw that. The kid can really get wherever he wants to go, so he becomes uh, a, a tough matchup. As the team gets together and starts preparing and then they get to – uh, a couple hours before the game, what would you describe or how would you describe what the mood of these guys would be? The, the, I was thinking about it. And the only thing I can compare it to is like, because usually the, the reason this is a really different aspect, because usually when you're on your own team, you know the inner workings, right? You know that, you know, Kevin McHale's out tonight, my teammate, or Larry Bird can't go tonight. You know that because of shoot-around and your own preparation, which is kept secret from the other team, right? Their coaches are even clandestine in their press conferences. He's questionable, or that'll be a game-time decision. But in the inner workings of your team, you know that. The only thing I can really compare it to, because this is so unique to me, is that oftentimes you'll get news late you know, before tip-off that a certain star on another team is not playing. And, you know, coaches kind of have to manage the emotions of players that way, right? Like, all of a sudden, you're playing the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals and Dominique's not going, right? There's a tendency to relax and say, crap, they're they're 30-point-a-game guys not going to play. And so it just, I don't know. I, I, I think it threw them a little bit. Um... I think they were over-anxious to get started. Let's just eliminate the Donovan thing because it looks like he's going to play from now on, and I'm pretty convinced with Donovan and a healthy Donovan in the lineup they can beat this Memphis team. But other than that, like it just was a weird game. It was a weird first half. I found the Jazz rusty, yes. I found them a little over-anxious, and thus – you could tell by the way their offense flowed, or better said, didn't flow, right? Bogey doesn't score. The shot selection was poor. Rudy gets two shots. I mean, it just was different. 
and weird. And I know the results of the three ball are just astounding, right? Yang misses five, and Conley misses eight, and Clarkson misses all eight. That just doesn't happen in a regular season game. So I just felt like they were so anxious to get out there and do it and prove they could that it was, as a result, it bit them in the butt. And if you could have reversed the halves, right, and just maybe the second half was their first half, I think they win the game. But as a, as a result, gosh, they allowed Memphis to believe that they could win in that second quarter. That was the whole key to the game. They created and allowed Memphis to say, okay, we got a chance. And thus they got them. So all of that is in the rearview mirror and is a fact, and yet I sit here strangely calm thinking the Jazz are going to win game two, the Jazz are going to win this series in five or six games. I have so little doubt about it, I'm doubting myself about my lack of doubt, if that makes any sense. (laughs) But, hey, I overthink stuff all the time. That's why PK's laughing. It's like, well, at least he came clean and I didn't have to say it. At least he's got a little self-awareness after all these years. But do you have that level of confidence in the Jazz right now? Um, the answer is yes. Like Donovan's going to play. The jazz are going to be who they are. You know, two of my keys are like, one is trust. You got to trust what you've seen for 72 games. So trust the system, trust your shot. You can't all of a sudden now become scared to play and scared to be somebody you weren't go be who you were for all those games. Go be the team that beat Memphis three times in the regular season. So trust is huge. And I believe it. I, I thought I thought Jazz in six from the get-go. I did not anticipate a loss. But then again, I didn't know Donovan wasn't going to play. And the other factor for me is Rudy's got to be tough. Rudy's got to be strong. And, and he's always strong on the defensive end. He's got to be strong on the offensive end. Hold his position. Finish high. Keep the ball. You know, catch those lobs. And... When Rudy's that guy on both ends, that changes the dynamic considerably. And, and he's got a tough matchup with Valanchunas. Do you have any concern that Donovan might come out overhyped and just try to do stuff that, that is beyond maybe the framework of what they established? Oh, I think it's a distinct possibility. Well, that's not good. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I think it's a distinct possibility that, you know, he, he, he could want to do too much. There's no question. Uh, but, you know, this is third-year Donovan, two-time All-Star Donovan, who has a playoff series and one incredible playoff series under his belt. So, different dynamic. But, I mean, does the possibility exist? Yes. I, I felt like the Jazz themselves felt that way in game one. Let's go show them. Let's go do it. And they were overhyped and, you know, a little too anxious. So Donovan could be. Let's hope he isn't. Let's hope he lets the game come to him. But, I mean, I'm excited. Guys, this is, this is the best time of year. This is, this is thinking what you play for. Uh, I was involved in three years of playoffs with the Celtics, and as a Clipper player, we didn't make it to the playoffs. I'm sure that comes as a surprise to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, it just, it's a different level. It's a notch up. It, it's, and, and, you know, the vets, 
it was interesting for me to watch guys like Bird and McHale handle it. They they were prepared mentally to handle it. It was it was impressive, you know, that they could ratchet up the energy and ratchet up the intensity, but yet handle their nerves. And that's what I talk about when I talk about trust and freedom. And you know, you got to trust what you've done. You know, Mickelson went in the PGA at fifty, right? This yeah. had to stay in the moment and hit one shot at a time. Is that not the greatest thing we've ever seen in golf? I think it's the greatest accomplishment in golf history. I really do. See, I tried to explain that to Bob Casper and DJ the other day, and they scoffed at me, and that's what I was saying. The greatest accomplishment in golf, and Mike Smith just backed it up. So I rest my case. Absolutely. And I know Bobby. Two things here. Mike's wrong, and you're a Sun Devil homer. (laughs) <laughs> Boom! There it is. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know the PK uh, Arizona State connection. Oh but, yeah, yeah. But listen, you could get me started on Bobby Casper and Billy because he's the greatest player that no one cared about or knew about. It's all because of going with just being promoted. I kind of left to his. That's another day for another story. We're talking hoops and playoffs. My favorite time of the year. I think that the thing that with all the stuff that's happening with Donovan that really needs to be focused on but is getting obscured, and I expect Quinn Snyder is beating this into the ground, and I don't think it's just with Rudy and Favors. and I think this is a – any five guys on the court are responsible for this. You can't give up that many offensive rebounds. That's too many extra possessions. It's too many extra shots. That bothered me way more than the turnovers, actually. And I know the turnovers were driving people nuts, but all those second shots, 16 is really twice as many as you should be giving up. I always think offensive rebounds should be in that 8-9 range. Once you get into double digits, I start raising an eyebrow. Uh, tens one You're thing. Right. You know, the, the Jazz had twelve. That's actually a really good number. G- Grizzlies ought to be talking to their players about guys. Twelve is a little too many. No, you're you're right because second chance points wins possessions, right? And Memphis had how many more shots than the Jazz? I think Memphis had a hundred shots in the game, and the Jazz were in the eighty-two range. The Jazz did shoot more free throws, but when you win more possessions, more chances. And listen, this is this is really a. a a matchup of two contrasting styles. You've got the New Age Jazz team, which is built out of the mold of the Warriors and the Phoenix Suns of the Nash era, where they're going to drive and kick and pick and roll and create havoc and chaos and then kick it out to order, and that order being the three-point shooters, perfectly established around the perimeter. And their whole premise, aside from Donovan's greatness, is those guys got to make shots. So O'Neal and Yang and Ingles and these guys, they got to make shots. And if they make shots, they're going to beat teams. Now you got Memphis. It's not grit and grind Memphis with Conley and Gasol and Zach Randolph that the Clippers face many times in the playoffs. It's not those guys, but it still is a contrasting style. It's still old school because they don't shoot the three well. They're athletic and big at the guard spot, which helps them against the Jazz and the Conley matchup. But they have a, a paint presence which is what you're talking about, DJ. They, they can offensive rebound. They can throw the ball to Valanchunas on a deep catch and a post-up, and he's big enough and girthy enough that he's going to give Gobert trouble because he's going to go into him. And he shoves Gobert. He's stronger, it looks like. He, lower center of gravity, he's moving him around. 
So this is a battle. I think you'll see a lot of favors in this series to contrast or, you know, combat Valanchunas and what he presents. And, I mean, just think of the paint, right? Morant's going to score in the paint. They're going to throw the ball to Valanchunas. And then, of course, you can't let them get out and run. But they're not world beaters. You know, there are a few games over 500. The Jazz were, you know, 52 and 20. So you should take care of business. So now for the first time in five weeks, Joe Ingles goes back to the bench. You're Quinn Snyder. What are you telling him to make sure that he maintains his level of effectiveness? Because he's an awful important piece of the puzzle that we got going here. Yeah, he's he's the playmaker extraordinaire. He wears multiple hats. He's clever. You know, he's sneaky. He's tricky. And he can shoot the lights out. He had arguably one of the greatest shooting years we've seen. Uh, to, he almost goes a 50-40-90 for a guy who had never shot higher than, say, 75% from the line. It just was a marvelous shooting year. No, you just tell Joe to be Joe. Uh, the, the bench factor is just... I don't know. At this at this point in Joe's career, it's not a not about being established or you know getting credibility from his peers. He now has it. You know, just the fact of being runner up to six man of the year, he's in that discussion. Jordan was the hands down runaway winner, but here's Joe, his teammate. I think that was unprecedented for both guys to be one two from the same team. It gives you an idea of the Jazz depth. But I don't worry about Joe. I really don't. He's got to shoot well for the Jazz to win, but I think I think he'll do that. So just to be clear, Mike, the reason that the Tiger Slam is the best, most difficult, most incredible thing I've seen in golf is that I think I might see another guy who is 50 win a major championship. Athletes are extending their careers. LeBron, title at 35, Brady at 43. But I'm never going to see another golfer Win four straight majors ever. That part, that part is probably true. Thank you. Um, that 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 part is true. But I thought we were talking about one singular event. Right, right. So, so let's, if you want, let, if you want us, yeah, let's include five or six events, Mike. Let's just change the goalposts to come up with your point. Whatever okay. you want to do, Mike. The floor is yours. Change all the rules, buddy. Nope, I'm fine with that. <laughs> if we're gonna have the best pure point guard conversation with Bowler, let's have it. Go ahead, Mike. That is the best year in golf, no question. I mean, he was so dominant, it was ridiculous. But this one event, yeah. come on. Yeah, exactly. Fill the thrill. I thought, I thought my boy Nance was going to say, Phil at 50. Oh, I like I it. Think Nance said, Phil, Phil defeats father time. So he had something up his sleeve anyway. Yeah, Phil. See, Phil and I, we're like brothers, man. I mean, his mother-in-law. Same age? Uh, maybe a little older by one one other guy, but uh, <laughs> uh, Phil's mother-in-law, Mike, has been in my house in my living room in Sandy, Utah. How about that? You're kidding. So it, was Amy raised up here? Yes, she went to Hillcrest High. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, she went to get Hill- out of here. Yes, the pride, the pride, the pride of Marty Haas. Did Marty go to Hillcrest, Hillcrest High? Oh, Heck then yeah. Then, Marty yeah. is not only. Marty's not only state runner-up in basketball, they lose to Brighton, but I think they win the football championship. Marty is also the 100-meter state champion in running or track, and he's state champion center fielder on the baseball team. Oh, was he really? 
I did not know. Yeah, all that, that was the Hillcrest, the Hillcrest Huskies, nineteen eighty four, eighty five. Oh, cool! And I'm from California. How the heck do I know that? Because yeah, you played with Marty, would be my guess. So, but. <laughs> Marty was yeah, busting true. chops on the bus. That's why. Uh, but yeah, yeah, true. She went to Hillcrest. Uh, grew up in Sandy. Her mother had a little dance studio in her house and taught all the oh. girls in the neighborhood dance. Plus, she was a big sports fan. So they since they moved down Maybe to San Diego years ago. But, uh, yeah, when several years back, she was a big sports fan. I got to know her well. And she came over to my house a couple times for some, from, for some uh, stuff. Wait, um, wait, 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 DJ. He's now saying that he dated her. That they were an item in high school. That he had her before. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, come I, I get, on. Get this, Amy McBride was a Phoenix Suns dancer, and I grew up in Phoenix, so I'm sure she had heard about me at some point. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Mike, here's hilarious. here's here's the deal. Because you've done the show so many times, you know us. But because you did it a lot when you were living in California, you weren't listening to the show. You don't know the backstory. Future shows as you come on. Well, I'll give you one backstory. PK's got hilarious Jersey stories. He may or may not have mobbed up gambling relatives. He may or may not have stolen his sister's car and wrecked it when he was specifically told not to take it. There's a lot of stories out there you got to hear. Well, you're right about all those things. Calling you from California and flying into the do the jazz games leaves me very limited. In my DJ and PK knowledge, even yep. though I know you guys are the number one show. But mm-hmm. I'm moving up here. Yeah. So yeah. you won't be able to push things past me anymore after this. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll get you up to speed. Thanks, Mike. All right, guys. Go Jazz. Mike Smith, Utah Jazz analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Evan Barnes, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for Commercial Appeal, is going to join us in 15 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show Big with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. We've listened to a lot of Donovan Mitchell media availabilities. He was none too pleased. I appreciate his candor. He was mad. He wanted to play. And he wanted his teammates to know he wanted to play. But somebody with the Jazz decided he could not play. Nobody likes being told something that they don't want because it's for their own good. <laughs> Nobody does. So if you're going to do that, it better be the most important thing you got going. Because you've got that relationship with the player where you have to trust each other when it comes to injuries. If you're going to tell the player you're not going to play because we know better than you about you. It's for your own good. It better darn well be right. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com. Or call him today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. We got to play out basketball right in front of us, Yach. But you're tweeting out during the break football news? College football doesn't rest. I don't know. It never sleeps, PK. I do. <laughs> Good. Just want to make sure everybody knows that. Want to tell people what, what Yach's tweeting about? You guys Talk uh, a little well, football right there. Preseason rankings are coming out, and whatever they're worth, they're not worth much, but they're talking points, and we all like it. The Utes and Cougars are supposed to be good. That's no, what you take from it. Nobody gets more run out of meaningless polls than college football. 
<laughs> it's the truth. You can't argue with that. No, you really can't. They do all the same polls for basketball. They don't get nearly the run. Not right. nearly. College football, I think, is the second biggest sport we got in this country. I've been saying that for a good while. With the NFL, of course, being number one. College football is just taking off. Even though the sport has morphed into so much predictability, we still get into it. And we've, we've basically created different levels. You know, we've created the group of five and the power five. And the group of five, who's going to get that bid and all that stuff? And can you win your conference? And then we've created, within the power five, we, we've created uh, different levels. And even conferences who have these superpowers, they have different levels. So we have Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma. We basically put them on another level, right? Well, this uh, PFF preseason poll here, Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Ohio State 3. I mean, what, I don't need to read a poll to know that. Right. Oklahoma all the way down at 5. Yeah. They have Georgia. Four. Georgia. 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 Yeah. And Georgia's in there. So the thing about that is that even though it's become predictable at the highest level, we still get into it. And they have BYU uh, 22nd, that's pro football yep. focus, uh, Utah 26th. Utah State 120 out of 130. That that's Utah State cannot do that. And I'm not saying they're going to. I really have no idea. I haven't thought about it that much. But they can't fall into where they were. And they were in 120. Yes, and but we that all know was, those days. But that was a decade ago. Right. And the last decade they had one bad season, and they bounced right out of it. They had a 3-9. Right. and nine. So they can't go pre-Gary Anderson. They just can't. They've got to find a way to at least be competitive and then give Blake Anderson an opportunity to build the program and see what he can do before he takes off. There's your football fix. Basketball next. Evan Barnes, Memphis Grizzly beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. Time right now to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Guys have been struggling with ED, Andrew. Some go to the pill, ejections, or surgery, but you got a breakthrough treatment you think is way better than all of those. Yes, we do. Wasatch Medical, we've actually got the two most advanced versions. It's called acoustic wave therapy, and basically it's a technology. You come into the clinic, it's placed on the skin, and gentle pressure waves go through the skin into the blood vessels. Kind of like breaking down a muscle in the gym, we build those blood vessels up stronger. That's one of the leading causes, by the way, of ED is damaged blood vessels. And the blood flows properly. We've had patients describe the results as life-changing. It turns back the clock in the bedroom. It can get rid of the erectile dysfunction, and it does it without a pill. So if it's all that easy, why are guys so hesitant to take their, get their ED taken care of? Well, I think coming into the ED clinic, you know, <laughs> not a great thought for a lot of guys. They're a little embarrassed. Even taking the pill can be embarrassing. That stigma holds so many guys back. But think two to three weeks from now, you could be done with the treatments, uh, seeing significant results in the bedroom with the relationship probably. So I say... We can do anything for two or three weeks. The results are worth it, and we've got to get over that embarrassment because ED usually gets better before it gets worse. Or it gets, gets worse before it gets better, excuse me, if you do nothing. All right, you've got a special offer right now to, uh, to set people up if they call you right now. We certainly do. Call us. The first step is the consultation exam and blood flow ultrasound with our doctor. 
We'll do that free. We'll give you the little gift that's very popular and produces immediate results in the bedroom. And there's 300 bucks off treatments right now, so give us a call. 801-901-8000. Call Wasatch Medical and Andrew at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. DJ and PK brought you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Time to welcome in Evan Barnes, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. Evan, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing today? Well, there's a lot of stress about the Jazz in these parts, and it got heightened by what happened in Game 1. Did that... Lighten the mood in Memphis? Did it surprise Grizzly fans? Are there now expectations and pressure that weren't there before? How's that, how's that game one win playing in Memphis? I think a lot of people are pretty excited. I mean, I think everyone kind of knew this was going to be a tough series going in. They you know, kind of expected the Grizzlies to be you know, kind of happy to be there. And then all of a sudden, game one started out like it was going to be the case of fatigue and tired legs. And next thing you know, the Grizzlies... So the fight that they've really showed the last two weeks, and it was really kind of a surprise to a lot of people. And Memphis being such a great basketball city, they've embraced it. They're loving it. They're they're pretty excited. And I know it's probably not what folks in the Salt Lake City want to hear, but I know that Memphis feels like now they have a chance, and they're they're fully embracing this as a as a fun series now. So a lot of things happen in Game One, and I'm not sure they can recreate itself the way it did in Game Two. But one of the things that I think can happen again, and I'm pretty sure you probably think the same thing, is the stellar play of Ja Morant because it seems like he's just that good and only getting better. Yeah, obviously, I think the last two games, Ja has really taken on the mantle of it's time to take that leap forward from being a really, really good player, Rookie of the Year to now showing that this is what a star and a potential superstar does. And it's funny that Dylan Brooks was maybe the big takeaway from that game, and yet John Morant still had his fourth quarter closing instincts, and he's shown that well. So it's, it's really fun kind of seeing how he's been able to really keep that up and really even going back to how he played against the Jazz earlier this year. He's been really adept getting to the rim, even with Rudy Gobert. He has no fear, and it just really shows how he's really kind of taken his game to a different level, not showing that fear, being able to go against, you know, go there, get to the paint. And uh, I'd be really curious kind of seeing how the Jazz um, adjust to him now on Wednesday. Yeah, that having no fear thing, I think that's one thing that sticks with everybody watching him play, right? He has no fear. But the Dylan Brooks question, a guy who averages 17 a game goes for 31. Are there some things in the matchup between these two teams that are going to allow him to repeat that, or is that something he does once or twice in a seven-game series and they got to they got to figure out some other ways to win if they're going to prevail in the series? No, I think, I think uh, the Jazz have to be ready for Dylan Brooks being that guy. He's, he's always been a player that is, you know, can, can catch fire instantly or he can shoot the team out of the game. And the last couple of months, he's really been able to catch fire and get his shot going. And I think with Jaron Jackson back, it frees him up to do a little bit more on the field. But he's also shooting the ball better. better excuse me. Um, it's funny. When the year started, he was shooting career lows. He wasn't able to get on track. It was a liability. Now he's able to kind of you know be that two-way threat that he wants to be. And this is kind of the time of year where he really wants to kind of shine a bit. So he's really – kind of taking that performance that he's had on Sunday. And I think it won't be the last at the Jazz either. They're going to you know, they're gonna have to be ready for a, a guy who can be an agitator, who can be 
a fire starter who can kind of inspire his teammates with his emotion. And what I think what everyone saw on Sunday is kind of what the Grizzlies have seen the last two years under Taylor Jenkins, is that Dylan Brooks can be that emotional core that the team just rallies around as much as they do Morant. So who is Taylor Jenkins, and where did he come from? <laughs> so it's kind of funny. So Taylor Jenkins was, you know, he was a former assistant with Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta and Milwaukee. Um, he's obviously learned from that tree. He's also learned from being with the Spurs as um, coaching in the G League. He actually was um, working with Quinn Snyder down in the G League, actually. So Taylor Jenkins is kind of an interesting guy in the sense that this is really his, his second year as the head man, but he's been trained very well by obviously two very successful coaches in Boonholzer and Popovich. And what he's done is he's kind of got the, the Grizzlies kind of believing in this up-tempo, free-flowing freedom to be themselves, but also give them the freedom to trust each other and trust him, take more threes, run up-tempo, and obviously having a player like John Morant really helps. But what he's done is he's gotten the guys to really just enjoy playing with each other. Like This is really a young, fun bunch um, Taylor James has often said that they're all kind of figuring it out together, and they're kind of writing that, you know, emotion of, you know, inexperience, if you will, together. So it, it's a fascinating journey for Jenkins, and I think you're seeing him kind of learn how to be a coach on this level because, you know, if you would have told me a year ago that the second-year coach, second youngest roster in the NBA would be up 1-0 as an eight seed, I would have said no way up until at least a month ago. So there are a lot of similarities there for good reasons because everybody's roots seem to go back to San Antonio's organization. But the Grizzlies shooting 35% from three, is that anything that's going to change? Is that something to address in the offseason? Is there any reason to fear that for the Jazz? How's that going to play? Well, I think that's, it's funny because like, this has kind of been like some of the best three-point shooting the Grizzlies have historically had as a team. Like They've never really been a team that has been, you know, full of shooters, if you will. They've always had maybe one or two guys, like a Mike Miller or a couple guys here and there. But this year they've really started to kind of show signs that the let-it-fly philosophy is growing. So I do think they're going to have to probably keep looking for more shooters. They're nowhere near the Jazz, obviously. I mean, the Jazz have, you know, so many good shooters. Even Mike Connolly is putting up some really good numbers. So I think the Grizzlies definitely want to keep improving on that, and I think it's really going to depend on what John Morant does. His three-point shot has been a issue. It's gotten better the last couple months, but he has to be more consistent with it. But I think that between drafting Desmond Bain, seeing DeAnthony Melton kind of grow into being a shooter, Grayson Allen found his touch here, um, I think it's going to be something that they really have to develop next year because that's where they can really take a leap and show that they're growing to be a playoff contender, not just a one-year flash in the pan. So it looks like, just looking at their record, that they really got it together as the season progressed, and it's clear that they play, they're playing their best ball now, obviously. Well, what do you think of some of the reasons are for that, that what we've seen and what has transpired? <sighs> well, it's funny because April, I think, is when things started to turn around. We all thought at the time that when they were having, they were going to play 11 of those games on the road, we thought that month was going to break them. Like there was going to be just a month where they would have to either find a way to win or the, the, the seven-year road trip they'd be on would just break them down and be completely tired. But they found a way to start that month winning three games on the road, um, including in Philadelphia. That was kind of where things turned around. And what helped them was they started shooting the ball much better. Um, Dylan Brooks started to play much better. And then you see John Morant starting to slowly have games where 
he's able to take control of the game. He had 35, I think, against uh, Anthony Edwards. He, you know, found more confidence in three-point shots. So I think what, what turned it around was just the Grizzlies, one, embracing the fact that they've become a really good road team, but also the confidence in the shooting, the confidence in guys stepping up, and really just being like understanding that, hey, you know, they have all the confidence in the world of a young team. It's time to start showing it. And I think that, that Warriors game last week, not the, not the playing game, but the regular season finale, I think that game really kind of woke them up to realize, hey, you've got to bring a little, another level of intensity and energy, and that's what's really kind of carried them. So I think it's been a combination of them shooting the ball better, understanding that these games are important and not being – and really even last season in the bubble kind of taught them that they need to really learn how to um, adjust. So I think it's a combination of all of that. Evan Barnes joining us, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for the commercial appeal. So how much of a difference do you think the Donovan Mitchell return makes to the way the Grizzlies have to play it, and how much can we not really compare much of what happened in Game 1 to anything going forward with Mitchell on the floor? Well, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to have um, a significant impact. I mean, he scored 70 points in the two games combined against the Grizzlies, and he was – that second game, he was unconscious. I mean, he was just lightning up that second game. And I think it obviously makes things different because now the Grizzlies have to account for another score on the floor. They have to make sure that their three-point defense is strong because by accounting for Mitchell, um, they obviously know that the Jazz are probably going to shoot better than they did in game one. So it's going to open the floor a whole lot more. I think you know, it's going to test the Grizzlies as a pretty good defense to make sure they stay on point with that. Um, but I do think it'll be really interesting to see kind of how Dylan Brooks defends Donovan Mitchell because um, I, I put up a story today basically where Dylan Brooks did a pretty good job against him in the first game. In the second game, not so well, but nobody really did well against him. So I will be curious how the Grizzlies defend him, but more so how they adjust to the to the Jazz, you know, shooting better from three. I, I think, you know, it's going to be really interesting. So I think the Jazz really – um, has still have you know, still have an advantage, and it really is up to the Grizzlies to say, all right, how do you weather the storm of Mitchell coming back up and to kind of you know come out the gate shooting, if you will. When they get back to Memphis, what is being allowed in terms of number of fans? So Memphis will have fifty five percent capacity starting Saturday. They announced it on Sunday that that's what the increase will be. So there will be about ten thousand fans in FedEx Forum, which will be kind of a a kind of a continuation from what's going on out there. I know you guys have things have 13,000, so um, Memphis is ready for it. I know uh, Taylor Jenkins and John Morant said this week that they're looking forward to a larger crowd, and this crowd is kind of a, a warm-up for them. But uh, it's going to be really interesting. And Memphis, you know, people saw it on ESPN on, on a Wednesday with the first. The crowd down there is excited. They're ready. They'll be rocking with growl towels, waving them. You'll be hearing some Memphis music. So uh, it's going to be a fun atmosphere that's going to continue what – They've seen the, the, the first two games in Utah. Does Valanciunas routinely get big guys in foul trouble? He is so big, as one of our guests said. He is girthy. So is he <laughs> going to get a lot of people in foul trouble? Because obviously Rudy Gobert only playing 25 minutes and fouling out. That was a big factor in game one. <laughs> well, that's, the funny thing is that was kind of surprising almost. Like Valanciunas is, is massive. I mean, by the way, whoever said girthy, get, I give them credit. That's a word we don't use that often, but I like that word. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's very, you know, he has the ability to be physical. He, he gets guys where he wants them. And it's funny, I did not expect Gobert to be in foul trouble the way that he was in, and I, I don't expect that to continue 
um, in game two. But if that happens, I mean, I think that's what Valanciunas wants to do. He wants to take advantage of, you know, using his size and doing what he can. So um, it'll be really interesting. I think Valanciunas will have a big role this year because he and Gobert almost played to a stalemate in game one. And that's kind of what the Grizzlies hope for is that when Rudy Gobert is in, they have to find a way to attack and produce because when he's off, it's a great advantage for them. So I think Valentinus will have that kind of a big man impact, kind of making this a, a fun traditional series, much of the modern series. Well, Evan, we appreciate the time and a little insight into the Grizzlies. We're looking forward to the rest of this series. Thanks for joining us. Likewise. You guys enjoy as much as we do. Y'all take care. Evan Barnes covers the Memphis Grizzlies for the commercial appeal. Did he change anything you think about this series, PK? You are pondering something you heard, but I don't know what. Well, I'm taking care. You are taking care. Yeah, that was the counsel, and I'm going to do that. Okay. If you don't do that, what difference does it make? You know what I mean? In the end, it's just this is air. It's nothing. So you have to take care. Please so take care. So let's take care of taking care. And then I think that ultimately the Jazz will take care of Memphis. Credit to Mike Smith for girthy. He's a load, that Valenzuelas. whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Valenzuelas. So, I mean, you got to do your homework early on him. <laughs> Beat him to the spot. Uh, yeah, because he gets it, and he can use his body with that little hook shot. And he's got a nice touch around the basket. He's got a nice touch, period. And he can, he can hit a three, too. So he's a nice player. I don't understand why Toronto traded him for Gasol. Now they want a title with Gasol, so I guess it worked. Uh, but he's he's a decent role player for them. He's like uh, to me, he's a better Nurkic. No, well, that's a good player then. Yeah, he's good. He's decent. But I think overall, the Jazz have more talent. And if you're going to rely on Brooks doing what he's doing now, Brooks, you know, watch him at Oregon, and he was a gamer too. Mm-hmm. So these Pac-12 guys, you know, I have a little bit of uh, history with. And he was he was one of their guys, obviously. And I like him. And I don't like him to the ability that he showed on Sunday to do it consistently. Because if he does, then they're going to be really tough. Because I guess the, uh, the other guys, to me, didn't really do outside of what they are capable. And I guess that Bain kid, when he hit three of four, two of three from three, so maybe he doesn't do that. The three he uh, had at the end of the uh, third was outrageous. So you're just feeling it at that point. Yeah, and Yang gets the T. That was strange. It seemed like uh, the Memphis guy looked at, kind of taunted. But nevertheless, I don't know that I can count on that. Uh, but if they repeat that effort, they reprise it, well, they're going to be tough. Although, even still, if they reprise it, I still think the Jazz can win because I don't think the Jazz played near their level and I think maybe there was, as Mike Smith was saying, there was some shell shockness. Yes. Of wait a second, we got Donovan all week, and now right at the eleventh hour, we don't have him. Right. They had all day Saturday to prep, and yeah. all that prep went out the window. And Sunday, the shoot yeah. around, and shoot around and Sunday, Sunday. that went out the window too. You go home to take your nap, and you know Joe's probably thinking he's coming off the bench and all. And you know, I don't really want to use it as an excuse, but I think it, it just uh, it threw them off. Well, now they're going to get a jolt. And one thing I wanted to say with Donovan, you know, we talked about his interview yesterday. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate his straightforwardness. 
Why try to hide stuff? You don't need to reveal everything. And he didn't. But, but don't play count and cat and mouse. Yeah, clearly he wanted to play. And he yeah. was kind of, you could kind of feel him preparing to bob and weave. And then he thought, well, what's the point? Everybody knows I want to play. Well, I'll just say I wanted to play. At the start. I'll go straight at it. Here yeah, we go. at the start. He right. made a statement. Yes. Usually they'll go, okay, welcome, Joe. First question. We'll take questions, yeah. Uh, but... They started to go down that. Madeline started to go down, the PR lady, and they went down. And he interrupted and said, I'm, I'm going to make a statement here first. So I'm going to get this out. And I think that's good. Address the issues. It's all out there. And, and now, too, with all this media all over the country, it's going to come out within minutes anyway. Somebody's going to say something. There's enough people and there's enough media who want to know that somebody's going to say something. So put it out there and address it. And I really appreciate what he did from a, from a journalist standpoint instead of you know playing 20 questions. When everybody knows what the questions are, and he's obviously media savvy. I mean, we've seen it so many times over. So if you know what the questions are, don't wait for them. Just get out there and answer them. And that's yeah. what he did with the opening statement. Just address the elephant that everyone knows is in the room. And then when they do ask follow-ups to the sticky situation, don't take offense. He didn't. these and slobs he over here that. are just trying to do a job. And he said, I know you have a job to yeah, do. Yeah, right. So but I really, that was also his way of telling you, I know what you want to know, and there's some stuff I'm just not uh, telling you. Right, I'm not going to give it. And that's I'm, fine. Yeah. That's fine. Don't, don't take offense at the questions, which he didn't. So I really have to grade him out as an A-plus for that Zoom interview that he did. But not a surprising A-plus. You knew he was media savvy going in. Yeah, he really is, yeah. And he was again. So, All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and it is time to welcome in Andrew Reinhart, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Guys, if you've been struggling with ED, they got a breakthrough treatment. And Andrew, when Cambridge University starts looking at you, now now be honest, before you get into the into the selling part of this, when you heard Cambridge was going to study it, was it a little bit that was, you know, getting a little nervous? Like, mm, these are pretty smart people. What are they going to find? Yeah, what if they find something bad or negative? Uh, I didn't hear that they were going to study it ahead of time. I heard about it after it came out. So mm. there was no anxiety, but <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they studied it. And uh, Journal of Sexual Medicine, they've done a study. Therapeutic Advances in Urology, they've studied this technology. And... Basically, in a different way, they've all concluded the same thing. This is a safe and effective treatment for ED. It uses pulsating waves to improve blood flow. Uh, Guys have been using the pill and injections and all kinds of crazy things for ED, but we really need to focus on the blood vessels, on the blood flow. That's the real cause. That's what we're treating and helping so many guys turn back the clock in the bedroom and do it without any side effects. So what kind of patient results are you hearing? What kind of feedback are you getting? Well, it doesn't turn back the clock to 20 years old, but it turns back the clock for a 50-year-old guy to maybe his 30s, for a 70-year-old guy to maybe his 40s. We've seen that time and time again. Patients have described it as life-changing. We've helped a lot of guys. It's working. The science is sound, and it's a great alternative to taking pills. You got a special offer right now. If people call, they get a deal. Yes, call us. It's the first step in reversing the erectile dysfunction. The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with our doctor will be no charge. 
a little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom, that's worth the appointment in and of itself, guys. And it's all totally free. Call Wasatch Medical right now to claim that offer, 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Donovan, all, all indications were that you were going to play in game one. So I, I'm wondering, is there any fear that the same thing would happen for game two? No. That's sure and to the point right there. He had nothing else to say, and then finally Madeline uh, introduced someone else to ask another question. He ain't got no fear, and I ain't got no fear. And I believe the prediction is he'll be introduced fifth in the starting lineup, and the place will go bazonkers. Now that's even a higher level of berserk and bonkers. Bazonkers. Yeah, you got your bonkers and berserk, and then you raise up the stakes and you get bazonkers. It's a new word. I'm always up for making up new words. We made up a few of them here on the air. I just hope that if that happens, jazz fans aren't set up for anticipation. No. no. You anticipate, but then you're disappointed. Disappointed at what? Well, obviously the loss. That was, I mean, they had to suffer through the. Anticipation in game one. No, not this time around. I wouldn't think so, but I didn't think so in game one either. Of course, I, I didn't know Donovan was going to be scratched late. Okay, but you did, so once the game started, you knew well before. Yeah, and I still thought they were going to win. And then it all fell apart in the second I, and third quarters. I didn't think they were going to roll over Memphis anyway. Memphis is an emerging team. They're going to be fun to watch over these next few years. Uh, so, and Taylor Jenkins, he's right there. I mean, they're youngest, the second youngest, whatever they are. And Taylor Jenkins, 36 years old. So, you got Brad Jones on the staff. Brad used to work here. Yep. Taylor they, Jenkins is two years older than I am. Taylor Jenkins, Brad Jones, and Quinn Snyder all coaching that yeah. Austin thing. Yep, Austin Toros. Uh, so, they're, they're, a, they're a decent ball club. I felt that they would be more difficult to handle than the Warriors. I was rooting for the Warriors from the Jazz perspective. I thought the Warriors would be easier to beat. So they won a ball game. I would have gone into the series. I would have said they would have won a ball game. Yes, but not game one. Yeah, but I didn't know Mitchell wasn't going to play. True story. So now Mitchell's back. He's back. The prodigal son has returned. He's back. They should shoot the three a little better. I'm Gobert go should play more than fatted DJs. Go hey now. Gobert <laughs> should shoot more than twenty five or play more than twenty five minutes. Can we find ninety nine of those? Oh yeah. Gotta clone me. <laughs> That'll be a cloning. You can clone me. I don't care. Ninety nine <laughs> though. I mean, you'll have to do it pretty fast. I mean, the 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 cloners will have to go bazonkers. Well, you're a cloner of a lonely heart. Cloner of a lonely heart. <laughs> 
<laughs> the prodigal son has returned to the starting lineup and to the lineup in general. <laughs> That's how he should be introduced. <laughs> Out of Louisville, the prodigal son. <laughs> the place goes bazonkers. <laughs> Someone called Dan, get him on that. Dan. He's returned. Ad lib this in, Dan. Dwayne Wade going nuts. Yeah, we can see it now. Right? Dwayne Wade going to go nuts over one home playoff win in the first round? He's going to go nuts over some big dunk that Mitchell's going to have. Because he's going to be jacked. And adrenaline is going to be throwing, flowing through his body. And he's already athletic. And though, so it's going to add to it. So he's going to have some massive go down the lane, get out of my way, posterization, and throw it down. And the place is going to go bazonkers. And they're going to flash to Dwayne Wade. And he's going to pump his fists. You watch. (laughs) All right, look for your bazonkers moment, people. And tweet at us when you see it. Oh, it'll be there. We want that. Hit us up. Yeah. Bazonkers. Make it happen. Right. Maybe it's a lob pass from Joe or something. He gets a little opening. Either comes from the side, from the baseline, or from down the middle. And when he comes from down the middle, he drops that thing back to like, uh, you know, six o'clock on the clock and just wheelhouse dunk. You've seen it. He's he's gonna Donovan Mitchell's gonna make a statement. Donovan Mitchell is a player, man, and he's a player that rises to the occasion. Well, the Jazz could use a little rise in the occasion. Get everyone you going know how bazookers. I felt about when I when I interviewed Gobert that first time he was yeah. I remember back. you coming back and saying, uh, "I know he's raw and I know it's, but man, he's intense. Yeah, he's got an edge. Right, he's from the Jersey portion of France. Yeah, whatever that is. I don't know what it is. And, and, <laughs> what just outside of Paris? And we probably really, uh, and the whole, outside of New the York. The purpose of the interview was to get to know the guy, and it wasn't really relative to basketball. That's when I first did the. the with Joe, talked about who you are, mm-hmm. uh, and just talking to Rudy who he is, and so it just really just screamed at me. And I came back and I told you, yep. And I feel the same. There's a different type of feeling, but the same type of uh, I don't know what it is aura emotion with Donovan as far as him being a big time player. I, I'm not just saying it. I really feel that he can be a big-time player on the biggest stage. Do you think Quinn went bazonkers when somebody told him on Sunday after the shoot-around and after the practice and after all the film? No. What? I think he was disappointed, but I think he knew that time was short and I got to go to work. Minimizing the bazonkerness. Yeah, you can't have your leader be disoriented. No, and he knows, and, and no one knows that. that. I mean, that's like in his wheelhouse to right. think that. Right. Like if I go out there rattled and panicked, they're just going to feed off my energy, and everything's going to go wrong. Exactly. So, no, I think he like what the heck. Uh, but then quickly, okay, I here's my job. I got to figure go. this out. And so I just got to go to town here and get get our team get myself ready get because he's he's the leader of everybody you know that is not in the front office everybody who's on that bench all those people and got so many assistant coaches and assistants to the assistants as Jacques was saying earlier mm-hmm. I can't even name them all well he's the leader of all those guys all, right. all the development guys yeah. the trainers 
And Love so, I mean, he's basically like a football coach now with all the players it's and staff. There. It's getting there. <laughs> it have. is getting there. More <laughs> of that CEO role. Yeah. And so he's, I think he rolled up his sleeve, so to speak, and just went to work. And can't, like he said, I'm the coach of the team. That's my focus. That's what he was saying yesterday. People were trying to hit him up. Now, I think he knows more than he wanted to say. Certainly. Oh, without question. So he may not be privy. He, he may he, not be privy to the details that were being made, but I think he knows the story. But what's he, the point now? And Donovan nothing's going to change. Yeah. So it's all, and I get their focus is game two. What's the? You can go back. Well, they did something stupid. No, they were right. They were right. None of that matters anymore. Yeah, but I think they already feel the pressure. Like, well, you got to win game two. You can't give up two home games to start a series. So. No, then all the detractors are going to come out of places that we didn't even know existed. There's never been more pressure on the Utah Jazz in a playoff game than Wednesday night in the history of the franchise. How's that for drama? Game six of the NBA Finals at home? You're playing Jordan. You're supposed to lose. (laughs) You're playing Jordan, man. It's your second shot at it. Who thought you were going to beat Jordan? Who beat Jordan in the finals? Nobody. Nobody. So but at I the think time that, it was feeling like there was a shot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about about game five at home the previous year, two two. You just won two home games and you're up by seventeen in the game five. And he had the flu. Yeah, he might he might have had COVID. We didn't even know it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Twenty two years before it became a thing. <laughs> so I mean he's Jordan. Maybe in the moment you're right. I agree with you, but looking back, who's beaten Jordan? I mean, 22 years later, we have a big 10-part documentary on it. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Games, get well, I could just sit here and list big playoff games. Let's not do that. Um, game 7, Western Conference Finals, felt like their best and last shot. The, the window's closing. Yeah, they went the next two years, but we didn't know that when they were playing Game 7 in Seattle. Yeah, in the window was closing, but it wasn't shut. You're just closing it because right. each year they were the statues were yeah. a year older. Yep. But Letter Carrier had it going on, man. I mean, for uh, as old as he was, now LeBron probably is going to top it, but I can make a statement that... He's the best old player in the yeah, league. Yeah, I mean, he was really, really good at an advanced age. There's no doubt. And obviously the way he took care of himself was unparalleled. So you can see. Uh, had, I mean, the, the, the best two accomplishments by older players, Mickelson won, Malone two. <laughs> and Tom Brady gets all this run. But he's not even on the field half the time. <laughs> Kareem was pretty good. He was pretty good late. Uh, pretty good, but a shell of himself. That's well, just because earlier late. he was awesome. Right, but even as late as... Uh, he was still a shell of himself. But he was good. 85, he wasn't a shell of himself. The back-to-back in 87 and 88, I get your point. He was more role player at that point. Still good, but he's also awesome. I think he's the most underrated superstar in NBA history. With six MVPs. He gets yet, no run. underrated. Yes, he gets no run and for the greatest. I'll never understand that. I'll never understand why he isn't brought up as a legitimate contender for the GOAT. But nobody does it. I don't know if it's because he was a sourpuss or what. but uh, Probably a little bit of that. And then you get overshadowed by Magic. 
I, I don't think he should. I get it, but I mean, there it is. Whatever statistic you wanted, he's got. But yet he's never mentioned. He's the most underrated superstar first ballot Hall of Famer in the history of sport. I think I think he was awesome until about uh, thirty eight. After thirty eight, then it then the thirty eight. Okay, I duh. Know. Right, yeah. you ought so, to be. So LeBron is trying to get into Malone Kareem territory. Yeah, I, I would throw Caldwell Jones up there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just love when you just start like just go back into your youth and just start just start ripping out names and nobody's thought of forever. A big chunk of Caldwell Hardy is Jones? like who? <laughs> who? Caldwell Jones. Oh, there's people in cars right now. Who? No way. Yeah. No. Oh, they're going bazonkers. No, this is a who? basketball town. They know full well. Caldwell Jones, Moses Malone. Moses Malone played here, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Come on. ABA days. Right. That's the American Basketball Association. Fact. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time for your feedback. Everything you think about the show and about the Jazz and Grizzlies. And Yak is smiling in there. Yak, you like this guy, don't you? He's fun. You got a Memphis Grizzly fan on the line. It's called in a few different times. Kurt, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. Good morning, fellas. First of all, I want to let you know, in secret, every Grizzlies fan is a Utah Jazz fan. We die hard with Mike Conley, no matter what. Second of all, do not sleep on this Memphis Grizzlies team. We've had 12 game, different game-high scores. Our best can beat anybody in the league. It's just a matter of do you get the best because we're a young team. And also, Donovan Mitchell coming back, we dealt with the same thing with Jaron Jackson Jr., our second-best player. And he is a fraction of what he was. You might not get the best Donovan Mitchell up until the second round. Just want to let you know that. It might take a while to get him back. That thing has been playing without him. Please put me on hold so I can listen. All right. Thanks a lot. Well, I think that he does say something a lot of Jazz fans have wondered. Mitchell's been out for five weeks. Does he come back and hit the ground running and he's great right away? He's ready to go. Yes. Jaron Jackson is not the same caliber player. And I thought it was a meniscus with him. I didn't, maybe I'm wrong. I didn't think it was the same injury. And he was out much, much longer. Mitchell's been practicing for a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah much, much to his consternation. Yeah. So I'm not sure I buy that. And I told you earlier. And I don't Mitchell think it comes down. what it takes. It doesn't come down just to Donovan. Rudy playing 35 minutes instead of 25, not fouling out, not being in foul trouble. That can change the game. Not shooting 25.5% for three can change the game. your sixth man of the year. Right. He and, sucked. And Yang was one for six. That's like almost like one for 15. Almost. Yeah. If you add in Mione's miss, then the bench was one for 15. Well, any shots he takes, add them as misses. Mione's minutes are going away with Donovan coming back. Nothing against him. But he's not, he's not in the league to shoot corner threes. You got to shoot him if you're open. Uh, so yeah, all signs are pointing to the Jazz. I'm 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 like ten minutes away from guaranteeing that they win. 
You saving it for Scotty and Hans' show, huh? or are you just going to share it with yourself in your car driving away after the show? Well, we're at it. We're done at ten, and it's nine fifty-five. No, tomorrow. That was the whole point. Tomorrow. Okay. See if I do it tomorrow. All right. I may go Joe Namath <laughs> tomorrow. Okay, yeah, that would be the same thing. <laughs> Any other guarantees out there? Uh, you can do it poolside with Brent Musburger. With Brent Musburger, right? End of the chair. Uh, fly me to Miami, and I, w- I would love to do it poolside. Yeah. A lot of people tweeting at us, Jazz fans against racism, says, I hope Donovan stays healthy, and I wish I'd bought tickets to game two instead of to game one. Well, stay with us tomorrow because we're giving away a pair tomorrow. You two forgot that, but not me. Admit it. You both you both forgot it. Well, I've I have them in my possession, so I you forgot it. He, 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 he. I never even knew. <laughs> yes, I told did. you yesterday about that. Well, maybe, but I forgot. So then, as far right. as I know, I never knew. <laughs> and truth be told, I forgot until right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, tomorrow will be fun to give them. Don't away pull the curtain all the way back. <laughs> tomorrow we're giving away jazz tickets to see. And at the guard from Louisville, number forty-five, Donovan. <laughs> you can't even hear Mitchell. Why? Because they go bazonkers. Yeah. <laughs> Got a lot of people still weighing in on the question of the day. Donovan says he could have played in game one. He totally believes that. Uh, but he says he's good to go for game two. And what do you make of all of this? And Dustin says, it's a wound, but not a wound that winning wouldn't heal. So it's not a fatal wound, no. Just win, it's baby. It's a scab. Will Donovan be effective at putting the ball through the ring? Only time will tell, Quinny Ute says. Can you, Quinny Ute, you're wrong. He will be effective. <laughs> what do you think? And Gecko not appropriate for me to share. <laughs> Save it. Don't let that out there. All right, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt. Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, you got a breakthrough treatment. Forget about the pills, the injections, and the surgery. What can you tell us about it? That's right. If you're out there struggling with ED, and maybe, you know, you think ED is something only 90-year-old guys get, uh, but you've got a little frustration in the bedroom. Things aren't working like they used to. Maybe you're younger than you think you should be to, uh, to be experiencing this. It's so normal. Wasatch Medical has helped a lot of guys just like you repair the blood vessels with our acoustic wave therapy, improve circulation in this part of the body, and like you said, no pills, no injections. This is really all about on-demand function and spontaneity, and we've helped a lot of guys achieve that. So what are the top causes of ED? We see diabetes, prostate issues uh, over and over again, but we also see really healthy young guys. Um, One of the leading causes is damaged blood vessels and restricted blood flow. So we know that erectile dysfunction is a blood flow problem. That's what our treatments really focus on instead of focusing on the symptoms like what the pills do. So you got a special offer for our listeners here at the end of the show. We do. Last segment, call us the assessment exam. The blood flow ultrasound will be free. You'll get that gift that guys love. It produces immediate results in the bedroom, and it's all totally free. 
All right, you can call 801-901-8000 and get a hold of Andrew at Wasatch Medical Clinic right now. 801-901-8000. Take that free offer. Claim it right now at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right, Scotty and Hans are coming up next.